So welcome into Hoopsil, everybody, as we are underway for a brand new season. Season, brand new show. Ah, whatever. It feels like a brand new season after COVID, doesn't it? We've played more games in the last few months than we've played in since uh, 2020. 1920 went off the air. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live simulcasting the show. And tonight, experimenting with live simulcasting it on YouTube yet again. We are up there. No one there yet, but we'll keep an eye out. Um, we haven't had a chance to do that in a long time, and uh, figured we'd give it a we'd give it a whirl. Uh, I just noticed that I can't see uh, chats in there, so we'll try and make sure to figure out if someone happens to join us in there how we can watch them and chat with them as well. If you got questions for us, again, feel free to get a hold of us. Look forward to hearing from you. All right, so a lot to talk about tonight. We'll talk about our guests first. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, we'll talk about guests, then we'll talk about things going on, because a lot of a lot of things are happening. A lot of things are keeping it keeping us on our toes here, even in late December. Um, we are going to have a mixture of men's and women's coaches, as we always do. We'll start out in New England. We'll talk to Springfield women's basketball coach Naomi Graves. Teams out to a ten and zero start, outstanding for them. We'll talk to them now, ranked twenty fifth in the top twenty five polls. Talk to Naomi Graves about her team, how the Pride is doing, and uh, what she expects from this season, especially in the new Mac. We'll then switch gears, talk men's basketball with Wash U men's basketball coach Pat Yuckum. They have a few distractions. Um, we'll also figure out what's been the topic of my conversation, how in the world they lost to Webster um, this season. We'll talk to the 15th-ranked Bears uh, head coach about the team and what he expects also from the season. They also have a huge game coming up against Illinois Wesleyan. We'll talk to them, uh, talk to him about all of that. Also talk to um, Stockton men's basketball coach Scott Bittner. It has been a while since we had Stockton on the show. They are playing well to start the season, 9-1. and one, Best they have started since, I think it was 2014-15 season, off the top of my head. We'll talk to him about the uh, Osprey, how they are doing, what he expects in the NJAC, and what is a, a little bit of a different-looking NJAC, I think, this year. Maybe I'm wrong by the end of the year, but it certainly looks like it's a little bit different. We'll talk to him about that. Welcome him back to the show. And we'll switch back to women's basketball. We'll talk to the sixth-ranked Christopher Newport women's basketball coach Bill Broderick. He'll talk to us about the captains and their, once again, ridiculous defense that is on display. Uh, they have been dominating opponents We'll talk to him about that. Talk about the challenges of scheduling now in the new vamped old CAC, new C2C. We tweeted out earlier they don't have access to the AQ. I was mistaken. I lost track of my count. Remember, they went through two years uh, where they couldn't have the AQ. I forgot that kicked in last year. They get that grace period. So they're actually in the second year of those two years of a uh, grace period. So that's that's a little bit of a... Yeah, a little bit of sad, sad trombone on my part. So um, we'll talk to him about all of that and look forward to hearing what he has to say regarding his uh, squad. I always love talking to Bill. Br I love talking to all, all these coaches. Naomi Graves is great to chat with. Um, I, I always enjoy talking to Pat Yuckum. And uh, haven't talked to Scott Bittner in a while. Looking forward to talking to Scott again. Of course, um, we were part of, of the news that 
he took over as head coach when um, the previous retirement took place. So anyway, that's what we've got on tap. Again, you can interact with us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. A few of you on there, appreciate it. Take the time. You can comment. We'll love to hear from you. We'll, we'll take, take your comments as it were. Um, also, live streaming on YouTube. I know some of you are probably a little surprised by that, but we are on the air. Looking forward to it. So a couple of quirks in the news department. Let's start with the top 25. That's less quirky, though semi-quirky, I guess, is the better way of saying that. On the women's side, Hope remains number one with 25 first-place votes. They have a sizable uh, advantage over number two, Whitman, in terms of points. They have 625, which is that the max? Off the top of my head, I think that's the max, is it not? Um, 25 times 25. Yeah, that's the max. Of course it is. They have all first place votes. Uh, second place is Whitman with 581 points. John Carroll is third. They stayed there. Amherst stayed in fourth. Whitewater stayed in fifth. Jumping up to sixth was Christopher Newport. Trine stayed in seventh after their, uh, and they've got, again, their big game against Hope coming up this week. Eau Claire uh, stayed at eighth. DePaul stayed at ninth. Simpson stayed at tenth. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking across at the men's side. Try that again. DePaul up to ninth. Simpson up to tenth. Transylvania up to 11th. Bowden down one to 12th. Wartburg fell from 5th to 13th with that loss to Simpson. And remember, it wasn't close. Tufts up a spot. NYU up seven spots to 15th at 9-0. We're waiting to the second semester, honestly, to talk to them. Baldwin-Wallace up four spots. East Texas Baptist State at 17th. Texas-Dallas up three spots. Gettysburg up four to 19. Harden-Simmons down six to 20. St. John Fisher moves up from 25 to 21. Bates is into the poll. Uh, for the first time in forever, they're at 22nd. Oshkosh uh, stays in basically the same spot they were. Wheaton fell from 16th to 24th after getting spanked by Illinois Wesleyan. And Springfield into the top 25, as we mentioned. Messiah and Scranton falling out of the top 25. I'll admit, long time since I remember Messiah and Scranton being out of the women's top 25. On the men's side, Yeshiva stays in first place, but... They have 13 first place votes and 605 points. You can probably do the math yourself. Uh, a lot of people um, not voting for them are in a very high spot. Let me just do a quick math. 13 times 25 is 325 votes. Um, so what I point is Randolph-Macon's got 10 first place votes and they're just two points behind. So either people t- seem to be voting Yeshiva number one or maybe a little bit further back, especially behind Randolph-Macon. Eau Claire is sitting in third with two first place votes, then Illinois Wesleyan in fourth. Um, of course, this be, um, this did happen. Yeah, this happened. They, they slid back a spot. As I, as I mentioned on the last show, they probably would after they lost to, to Wheaton. I think a lot of voters kind of expected that, though they lost a chunk of points. Oshkosh uh, is in fifth, Wheaton sixth, St. John St. Joseph of Connecticut fell from 5th to 7th despite going undefeated. But again, it, it had more to do with where other voters were moving teams around, like Wheaton. Uh, Marietta is in 8th, Lacrosse is in ninth, and Roanoke in 10th. Then it's Hopkins, Christopher Newport, Whitworth, Elmhurst, who fell 7 spots to 14th. I certainly moved them down a chunk. Washu's up to 15th, Wash, Mount Union's in 16th, Williams is up 3 spots to 17th. I think they're about the only team, if I were to vote for an SCAC team, I think that I would be voting for. It'd be Williams. Uh, Swarthmore is in 18th. Mary Harden Baylor fell from 9th to 19th off that loss to Harden-Simmons. Amherst uh, is in 20th. RPI is in 21st. Heidelberg jumps into the poll at 22. 
Maryville's now in 23rd, DeSales in 24, and Hardin-Simmons enters the poll at 25th. Trine fell from 16th and out, and Emory is out as well. So that's just a quick recap. We'll get you an idea of uh, how teams have done so far uh, in this um, week. We haven't had a lot of games. That's not, I mean, overly surprising by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm quickly going in. Sorry, I meant to call this up earlier. I had looked at it earlier and forgot to print it. Um, where is it? Oh, it's back a page on me, which I'm not used to. I'm used to it being somewhere near my, my vote. So this was posted as of um, this morning. Yeshiva won against New Jersey City, 93-86. That game was a little bit further away for Yeshiva. They allowed NJCU back into it. One would argue that uh, some of that had to do with... Um, uh, what, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? It had to do somewhat with... Um, <laughs> my brain just kind of went haywire there. Um, had somewhat to do with uh, the foul calls that NJCU had to deal with. Um, and Or not deal with. Yeshiva had to deal with that NJCU was getting calls for, is what I should have said there. I misspoke. So that... But that 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 loss of that near loss by Yeshiva, which is their 50th straight, by the way, uh, wins. They're 10 away from the all-time men's mark in Division Three, which is 60 by Potsdam. Of course, remember the women's mark is 81 by Washu. Um, there may be a lot of vote, voters who who flee from Yeshiva, and we'll have an answer on one of those polls coming up in a minute. Randolph making an Illinois Wesleyan were idle. I mean, Platteville was idle. Illinois Wesleyan beat North Central handily, 73-48. They got that big game against WashU coming up. Oshkosh was idle. Wheaton's got Olivet coming up. St. Joseph of Connecticut was idle. Um, uh, Coach uh, Graves sitting on Zoom already for us. Coach, good to see you. Uh, she can see me, hear me behind the scenes. I'm going to mute you, Coach, or mute me just so I don't bore you. I'll be back with you in a sec. Doing it. It's all live on air, folks. That's how we produce. Um, let's see here. Marietta played Otterbein, um 87-62. They were supposed to play John Carroll Saturday. That game has been called off due to COVID-19 protocols. And it won't be made up. It's 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 down as a cancelization. Marietta will get the win in conference and in standings. It will not be a win on their record. John Carroll, the opposite of that. So you can imagine this is on John Carroll, which happened last year, we might remember, for anybody who was paying attention to the OAC last year. John Carroll had quite a few problems with, with COVID. That's the other end of this story that we'll get to in a moment. We've, we're seeing a lot of postponements and cancelizations. Uh, lacrosse supposed to play at St. Mary's, though I believe that was that I know was due to weather. Uh, they will play against Crown. Roanoke's got a game coming up against Wartburg um, this weekend. That is an outstanding game I'm looking forward to. Hopkins was idle. Christopher Newport beat Hampton Sydney by five and has Virginia Wesleyan coming up on Friday. That's it. Uh, the rest of the results, there's one other. Lynchburg uh, defeated William Peace. Uh, Augsburg was supposed to play at River Falls. Again, I believe that was weather. It was postponed. Uh, Mary Washington is supposed to play, was supposed to play Averett. Uh, that one, I believe, is COVID-19 related. So that's on the men's side. And quickly, as I transition over to the women's side, I'll point out again, we have a number of cancellations, postponements, and other things going on in Division Three. Um, it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, to be honest. It is Everything's ramping up with COVID, but it's something to keep an eye on. Remember, Middlebury shut things down. It looks like they've started to open things back up. But you look at some D1s like Cornell, suddenly 900 cases on their campus. They've shut everything down. 
Um, I believe there's some other campuses on Division Three off the top of my head. I can't remember who who have shut things down as well. Uh, quickly on the women's side, uh, Christopher Newport defeated North, uh, North Carolina Wesley in 82-58, and Bates defeated Husson 65-48. Those are the only two games in the top 25 so far played. Bethany Lutheran in the non uh, in the receiving votes category um, lost to River Falls 79-68. Otherwise, only one, a couple other games. York uh, defeated Widener 60-54. Trinity defeated, or did not has not played yet. Sorry, Illinois Wesleyan defeated. North Central 74-59, and Mary Washington defeated Averett 72-43. That's on the women's side. So the men's side, again, Mary Washington or Averett, one of the two, had a COVID issue and is not playing. Um, so we're seeing, we're starting to see some teams who are changing plans. We're starting to see some teams canceling games, postponing games, shutting down athletics. Um, maybe, no, I don't want to speak. I, there was one off the top of my head, but I, I don't want to say them, so I don't want to. I want to give that away. Uh, I could be wrong, so I'm not going to say them. But the, the next few weeks are going to be interesting. I'm not saying we're going to see anything like last year, but we're going to see some changes, and, and we got to keep on top of those. So, you know, stay with D3 Hoops. We'll certainly have the updated schedules as best we can, and we'll certainly try and, and keep up to date with things on um, Twitter as well. By the way. Um, other note that I stumbled into, Meg Rivers women have not played a game. Uh, they have four that are on the schedule that are quote-unquote postponed. There are other games, I believe, that have been pushed to the second semester, so their schedule is not... I can't tell when they were supposed to be... How many games are supposed to be played this semester, but their next game is scheduled for December 30th. They, had not, they did not play a single women's soccer game. They did not have a single women's cross-country event. They did not play a single women's volleyball game this uh, fall. They had a request for players on their website. Um, the men's programs are struggling too, but more importantly, the women have not played. I do wonder, I can't, I can't help but wonder how much longer does Megra Evers keep their doors open? Um, some tough days there as well. So lots going on. We'll try and keep you all abreast. We'll, we'll touch base with more of it as the time goes on. Again, uh, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on YouTube today, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville as well. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk Springfield women's basketball. Naomi Graves will join us. We'll talk about the challenges that everybody is dealing with, but not the fact, not only the fact, they're going 10-0 and so far this season. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We have plenty more Hoopsville just ahead. As I now notice, I, I've screwed up. I don't have all my commercials lined up, but we'll get them going here in a moment. Back with more in, in a second. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. 
The college basketball experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, we're, uh, we're going live from the studio. I, I got a great new you know hard drive, transferred everything. A little light bulb didn't go off my head going, hey, you're moving the ads that the computer's using. You should maybe, I don't know, consider not doing that. But apparently I don't think that way. And so a little bit of a rough moment there, but uh, we'll figure it out the rest of the show. I can't wait till we get a couple of gremlins worked out with this program because then my son can get involved with us and uh, things will be just a wee bit easier for everybody involved. Uh, again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can join us on Instagram. We don't interact a ton, but we promote the show at D3Hoopsville there as well. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville is another way you can tune in to us. A couple of you are listening there. We appreciate it. Of course, also on YouTube tonight, we're double just double tap, kind of checking where uh, the best places to... Uh, to see things are in terms of, um, what's the term I'm looking for here? Yeah, where everybody's watching the show. Of course, you can also watch us on the Team One Sports app, which is, um, sorry, Alexa's uh, talking here. Um, Team One Sports app, you can watch us on the Roku app, the Amazon Fire app, the uh, Android TV app, Apple TV app. Lots of ways you can watch us on the big screen. Not that you want this mug on the big screen. But we'll clean up the studio, make it look nice so the studio looks nice for you. Don't forget, coming up, the D3Hoops.com Classic will also be on your big screen this year as well out of Las Vegas. All right, so we last show, we had a couple of teams that were into the top 25 or in the last week. We had DeSales and we had um, uh, on the men's side and on the women's side, I just forgot who we had. Uh, both top 25 teams hadn't been there in a while and it was great to have them in. Well, the new top 25 team was Springfield Pride on the women's side and I always love talking to Naomi Graves about her squad and how they're doing. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned head coach of Springfield. I hope I haven't screwed up the audio for this too. Coach, good to have you. I'm hope you're, we're going to hear you. Hi. Yeah, I'm here. Yay. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hey, um, first and foremost, congratulations on the top 25, but more importantly, congratulations on this 10-0 start. You guys, I went back to just kind of do a, a cursory look to see how you've done in, in more recent times, and you always have I don't want to say always, but you have some good starts. You have some decent runs, but you always have a loss here or a loss there. Obviously, in in other seasons, it's flip. 10-0, not common. You're a little bit in a a new stratosphere here. We are in a new stratosphere. Um, It's pretty exciting. Um, You know, we have a really good team, and our players um, are blending really well. We have a really positive culture, and... You know, I think the idea that we couldn't play live last year has ignited these kids in a different way. It's been awesome. I'm sure. But at the same time, you're dealing with people who haven't um, haven't had a lot of basketball, especially under the Naomi Graves watch, (laughs) as it were. Uh, So you've got players who've got a little bit of experience mixed with players who have had a lot of experience, but maybe fell back into some bad habits while you wouldn't have a chance to coach them. I think it's very impressive when any team can get out to an undefeated start. You've got to be pretty pleased it's all coming together. Oh, I am. I'm excited. We have a pretty competitive schedule. We've had some significant wins. And um, and every game we seem to be getting better at different elements of our game. So I'm really excited. Has there been anything in particular that that you can point to, or has it just been, you know, the, things have just come together nicely for you so far? Well, we have a lot more depth. Um, we've we've just got a we can go deeper in our bench. We've got a group of young kids that have come into our pro- program that have really been far more talented than other years. And then we have a group of seniors who are very passionate about making sure this year is you know, their best year of basketball. So I think the combination of those three areas has really made this program soar. When you you talked about the competitive schedule, and, and you're right. I mean, that's the other thing that, that kind of jumped out at me was the fact that it's, and, and listen, we've, we've made some comments about the NESCAC teams, not on the women's side, on the men's side. The women's side, they go after each other. But on the men's side, they, they tend to have some easier schedules. Um, the one thing that jumped out at me is, is your schedule has been a bit competitive. You've got some teams in here that, I mean, Trinity, Connecticut, uh, for, uh, I'm sorry, what schedule is that? Um, oh, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking at Charlie's schedule. I apologize. I'm my friend Charlie Brock's schedule. Right. Um, no, but you you've got some some teams on this schedule that are that are usually pretty tough. Southern Maine usually isn't that um, um, easy a walk over. Though you beat them eighty to forty five. Uh, Endicott's been challenging of late. Uh, Williams, you beat them sixty four fifty nine, and that's the one that jumped out at me. Um, Absolutely. What, yeah. What 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 was what's been working? I think, I think just the teamwork. I mean, we have four kids in double figures. We have kids coming off the bench knowing their role. Um, our defense is holding teams, you know, below 50 points. And, and we're pressing and attacking. We have an attack mindset. And we have the players who can do that. You talk about this roster. Give me a sense. Obviously, you've got some senior leadership. How many of them, though, did, took a gap year and came back? Or are you dealing with a roster that didn't get that opportunity, as it were? We, we didn't have anybody come back right now. These folks were juniors or they and, and now they're seniors, so no one has done their repeat year. But we did pick up a transfer, um, and she's pretty good, which is helpful. She's in our starting lineup. Um, anybody who gets a transfer that ends up in the starting lineup is smiling a lot more in the <laughs> sure. practice days. Yeah. Um, Sydney's doing great. And the best part of Sydney, and we have, a, we have another transfer summer, is that they've blended right in with our program. It's been great. Yeah, what's tell me a little bit about the transfer thing because 
D3, we've been seeing a little bit more of the transfer right. side pre-COVID. It was, you know, we, we've talked about it on another show. You saw a little bit of Juco starting to kind of play a couple years there and then move in and all that stuff. But obviously with COVID, the doors have been flung open and we see graduate transfers. We see transfers from those who just wanted right. to play and all that. How much has that changed the landscape from, from your perspective? Oh, I think it's changed the landscape in Division Three. I think you're going to still see it next year. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of kids do a repeat year. And for us, I mean, we have two additional players that were in highly competitive programs that are now in my program. I mean, that's a great that's a great change. Um, and the beautiful thing about both of them was we didn't really go after them. They came after us. How, how rare is that? You know, they, they inquired about playing in our program because they wanted to come back to Springfield College for the master's sports psychology program. Summer and Sydney are here to do their sports psych degree. Well, and that's the other question on it is it's not like you're all set to go running out to find these players necessarily. No. So I'm kind of curious, how is it work from your perspective? Obviously, them reaching out to you is one thing, but has it then changed how you're attacking um, the recruiting to some degree, are you a little, are you kind of peeking at the portal a little bit? Are you, are you opening Absolutely. your eyes a little bit more? I think you have to peek at the portal, which is obviously hurting some of those seniors. Yeah. You know, during that COVID year, it really hurt, um, for some of those kids. <clears throat> I think we do everything we can to get kids, talented, talented kids in our program and the portal we, we look at, we contact some folks that contact us. You know, I've never been a big transfer person. Sure. You know, it's hard to have a kid for a year. But um, these two have been fabulous. Well, and that's the thing is, is, is it's <laughs> funny because I know some coaches who just don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with transfers in any capacity. In some way, this is kind of opening up the, the doors, as it were, to something you've got to deal with. Um, and really, again, there's multiple ways of looking as to, as to the reasons why. But again, look at your team. You talk about four players in double figures. That is darn impressive. Uh, Sam Horahan leading the way as a junior at 15 points a game. Sydney Wentland, uh, the transfer, the yep, 14.3 points a game, aforementioned. Uh, Rachel Vinton, a junior at 12.3. And Grace, I'm going to say Grace's name long. So Zindalet? It's Zindalet. Zindalet. Oh, that's yeah. a lot easier. You know, 11.3. Yeah, Tom, tell me about that foursome. That foursome is amazing. Um, Rachel runs the show. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited. She's by far one of the best point guards I've coached. Um, she played behind Alex Goslin, who was an all-region player and all-conference player and graduated. And Rachel was a freshman when she played behind Alex. And, you know, with a COVID change and all those things, we never really got to see Rachel shine as much as we needed to. And this year, she is dynamite. She's just a, she's, she is doing a lot of good things for our team. And then Grace, um, Grace has come into her own as a senior. She's found her, her rhythm, her space, her spot on the team. Um, she's an explosive player that can make things happen and runs. She certainly helps out with Sam, you know, I mean, Sam's our go-to and that consistent one that can hit the three or take it inside. She's that all region top gun kind of player in our program. Talking to Naomi Graves here, head coach of the Springfield women's basketball team, who's off to that 10-0 start, as we mentioned. Uh, there is a bit of a drop-off. You've kind of got Stephanie Lyons there, the senior, at 7.7 .7 points a game, and then down to five points a game, six points a game, five points a game from a, from a freshman. Um, and, of course, that's a yeah, true freshman. What I'm interested, though, is you don't have – listen, I'm, I've gotten very used to seeing 15, 16, even 20 players on a roster. 
again because of players staying back, transfers, you name it, or recruiting. You just don't know what you're going to get or not get in this COVID era. Mm -hmm. Your roster feels smaller than that. Happenstance? Um, A little bit. I mean, the the thing about having a large roster, I think – you know, a lot of coaches struggle with that chemistry, that unity, right? When there's so many players, um, having the size roster we have, um, I think is is really the ideal. We have 14 folks on our roster, and so if you have injuries, you still always have enough for practice. And then if you play deep into your roster, then you don't have like six or eight or ten kids not playing. Um, so, yeah, for me, this is the perfect size roster. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with perfect size. Uh, that, that's good to hear. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on now. Your last game was December 11th. Right. You will go three weeks without playing a game. Now, in some circles, that's pretty common. In some others, it's pretty rare. We get a, And you get everything in between. Was it by design or... I keep forgetting if Springfield has any moratoriums in place, so forgive me on that. But was it a little bit by design to not play? Was it by happenstance? Are you looking forward to this three weeks? Are you dreading it? Um, I, I think, you know, it, in some ways it's by design by the academic calendar. You know, a lot of Division three schools, this is a finals time, and you, there's not competition during their finals time. So, you know, when you say three weeks off, that there's a, a hard swallow because you feel like, oh, my God, that's so much time. But in the same breath, I also think to get that break, um, you know, we'll be back here preparing for our tournament right after Christmas. And then we, you know, our tournament is always, the Naismith is always a tough competition for us. We, we open with Skidmore. They're having a great season. Yeah. She's doing a great job with her team. You know, unions in that tournament. I mean, it, it's a pretty significant tournament for us. And so, for you know, we have Econ in that tournament. They're, they're strong as well. Um, so the motivation of this three weeks isn't that the kids aren't going to go home and do nothing. They're going to go home and <laughs> really? you know, do some things and hopefully come back and be ready to go. And having a tournament field like we have is going to really foster that competitive spirit. I'm pretty excited about those teams coming in. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how uh, how it plays out. It, it's always a fun, fun event to watch. Um, what, what are you expecting from the new Mac this season? Are, are you, yeah, I know it's a loaded question. I, I set I set that up, but <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, what, what? But what do we expect? Because pre-COVID, it felt like the conference was getting pretty deep. Yeah, it, the conference is good. I mean, I think it's one of the better conferences. I mean, I you have Smith in that conference. You have Babson. You have WPI. You know, early, very early in our season, when we were starting to notice we were becoming undefeated and all that, I said, well, just look at our conference schools, because that's really where it's at. And there were three teams undefeated at that point in the conference. Um, I'm excited about the conference. I'm thrilled that we're as competitive as we, you know, always have been. Um, I hope we get the respect we deserve from, you know, the the committee, the NCAA committee looking at strength, schedule, and conference play, um, I, it's going to be a battle. It, it's just you got to show up every night. You know, Springfield back in the day was in the Northeast 10, and I remember <laughs> Barty Stevens saying, you know what, every night's a battle. Well, the new Mac, every night's a battle, and these coaches are good. And if you don't show up, you're going to get beat. Yeah, I mean, look back, obviously, two seasons ago, uh, just for 
easy for ease. Babson was first place at a ten and zero in the in the record in the in the conference record. You guys finished second at nine and one. You had Smith and MIT right behind you at seven and three. Wellesley wasn't that far behind at six and four, and Emerson at five and five. And you still had a competitive Coast Guard at four and six with a with a winning record overall, and WPI with four at six at, at, with a winning record overall. Only three teams were really not in the conversation. Right. Um, when you look at it. Is that going to be similar or, or is it still trying to figure it out because no one really is sure how everybody's going to gel? I, I, I think it's going to, I don't know where all the teams are going to land. I, I just know that um, that those teams that you just mentioned, they're very, very tough opponents. Yeah. And you, ha- you have to really have your game on when you play all of them. And you have to have a bench that's going to come in and do some significant things on the court because most of those coaches have a deep bench and that for for us at Springfield that was one of our goals in recruiting is that you can have a great first five even six but if you want to be successful in the new Mac you're going to have to have some people who can come off the bench and score your games have been kind of um, very mixed you you've had a game like Connecticut College which you just came off of which you won 49-37 on the flip yeah. side of that two games before that you played Westfield State uh, it was a 93-59 finish um, and then you've had a bunch of 60s and 70 point games with either opponents scoring 40s like Southern Maine 80-45 to or um, RPI which was 73-38 or you get a tight one um, though there haven't been a lot of tight ones I'm noticing are you more the offensive team? Are you more the defensive team? Or is it, let me see what shows up on the floor? I think it depends on the style of our opponent's defense or offense. But, you know, I, I think we're more of an offensive team this year. I think we can put points on the board. We, we do like to extend more. We have the talent to do that. Um, but my whole core is about defense. I mean, we've got to stop people from scoring on us. But this year, I think we have more of a balance that we can score and play defense. And the, 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 the thing I like about this particular team is the competitiveness, the, the, the attack mentality, um, the fact that they want to step on the floor and compete. And they want to compete to the final tick on the clock, even if it's ugly, like it was sure. in some of those games. Interesting enough, again, two games I would click. Uh, classify as close. They came back to back. Vassar sixty nine sixty one and and Williams sixty four fifty nine. Um, of course, you you had Vassar at home and you had to head out to the the uh, western corner of Massachusetts for that Williams game. Yeah. The rest of them haven't been. You talk about being competitive, even if they're not close games. Um, h- how do you keep everybody from being complacent? I guess. I guess would. Like this three weeks, would you be worried that it seems like, well, man, we're, we're at 10-0 and 0 with a lot of easy games. They're going to come back thinking and take it for granted. How do you keep that from happening? I, I, you know, we most coaches do a pretty highly competitive practice. And so, you know, we don't I don't really think about being 10-0. and 0. I think about my next opponent. And I think our team is, is um, you know, we, we've tried to really put in their head that every day we got to get better. So when we, we do things at practice, we have to set that competitiveness through situations, through, you know, putting, putting our players through some things that, you know, overloads that other teams might force us to do. But, I mean, this group of kids, I don't, I don't ever think they'll be complacent. They're really pretty driven. They got their eye on the conference and the games ahead. And, um, and we've really worked hard on just trying to stay, you know, focused on the things we can control. 
you know, and the things we can control is, is our defense, our rebounding, our turnovers, taking care of the ball, our rotations. We really focus on, and we're focusing heavily on our bench because, you know, I always say that first five gets you to the championship, but that bench, they, those are the folks that people don't know anything about. They can come off and kill a coach, you know, an opposing coach because no one knows anything about yeah. it. So we're really working hard on developing some of those younger players on the bench. God, I can't remember where I was, but I came and guy came off the bench and absolutely lit it up in the first half. And I remember coach mm-hmm. turning going, yeah, he was not on the scouting report. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we didn't think he had that capability. Um, you've got when you come back, you'll have Skidmore and, and Union, as you pointed out, at your place right. to start things off. Skidmore is having a tremendous season, as you pointed out. That's, That's not it. You got Middlebury in the middle of January in the middle of your conference schedule. Uh, I assume that's kind of where the quote-unquote buy would be. Um, so outside the conference, you still have a lot of great games ahead of you. Yeah, you, we do. You got a good chunk. So when the team gets back, obviously it'll be before New Year's. Right. How do you, what's the what's the first thing you're saying to them, and how how do you ramp them up and get them ready for Jan one? Well, I mean, I think that we've already ramped them up. We've already talked about those opponents coming up really quickly in January, and you know we have our tournament, and then we we actually do an additional game with Smith and Babson, so that are, that's non conference. So I think you know we want to be in that competitive mindset, and oh, our schedule. Yeah, our, our schedule puts us in that competitive mindset, whether we're ready or not, right? Um, but I think our team is going to rise. I, I have confidence in this team. I trust this team. I, I believe in this team. I believe in their their goals. And, um, you know, my goal is to keep them in, in, you know, shape and get them ready and do the things we need to do to beat those teams. So, sorry, because I'm looking at our schedule versus your. No, it's marked that way, too, on yours, I think, too. So. Smith and Babson are not conference games? No, they are. We we opt to play another rotation with Smith and Babson right after oh. it. So, so what Judy and yeah, and Lynn and I talk about is just we, we don't we go single round as conference games. Right. But, but because we wanted to have another rotation, we actually play each other one more time. And that will count for standings. Yeah, because it's a team over you know, that usually is a good record. So we, we do that early. It's, I didn't realize it, that. Yeah, it's just those two teams. I don't know how I missed that. Um, there you go. I learn something new all the time. Um, by the way, one quick note. You're playing Wheaton, Massachusetts at Western New England. That's when Hoopal's here at Springfield College. So oh. is the Nate Smith High School tournament, yes. the national tournament. Okay, because normally I'm like, okay, what do you? What, what's the other game around that? And you don't see it normally in the middle of conference play, nor yeah. against a conference opponent. But that one stood out. I was just curious. That's a that's that was a new one. So technically, you start with four home games. Uh, the Wheaton game obviously will be neutral before you get your first away game. That will be up into Vermont to play Middlebury. Then you're home against Wellesley to play home. Then most of the rest are at away. How important yeah. is it going to be to essentially hold the home court here, especially until you get to late January? Oh, it's critical. I think it's critical. The schedule is the schedule, but we, we play a lot of those games on the road near the end of the season. And, and we both know you've got to win on the road to be really significantly good in the conference. But, um, yeah, it's critical. We have, you know, every game's important. But, but having the end of our season be on the road, we have to be pretty confident going into those games. We have to be really resilient and confident and play like we know how to play. And and quickly, 
you're into the top 25. It, it hasn't been a, a ton of time, but it's been a while. Right. It's great recognition, I realize. Granted, the team is probably already on their break, uh, or at least, you know, not, not at practice with you every day, maybe. I don't know. What's the vibe? And do you try and tamp it down? Well, I, I think I'm really excited for these women. I mean, they've never been a part of that top 25, so they're running around when that poll comes out. And, you know, I don't I don't want to squash that. Sure. They've worked hard. You know, yeah. they've worked hard for that 10-0 record. So for me, I want to let them hoop and holler a little, you know. But at the same time, I always reflect it's not at the beginning of the year you want to be in the top 25. It's at the end. Yeah. You know, so I subtly bring that up. It's not the beginning of the season that we want to be pulled. We want to be at the end of the season. But I I have to just tell you, this team brings me great joy. And I'm an old dog, right? I've been a coach a long time. And I've got these nice, competitive, athletic kids who want to win and want to work. And they, they do it every day. And they come to practice wanting to play for one another. They trust each other. Um, I'm pretty excited. I don't know where it's all going to end, but I have high hopes we're going to end in the right space. Awesome. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time and great, great start. Congratulations. Um, You're at least keeping Charlie Brock, you know, (laughs) honest and and distracted maybe. Um, Any time I can mention Charlie, it's a good day for me. Um, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Congratulations, as I said. Uh, Looking forward to seeing how you guys uh, turn the new year, as it were, and, and play it out. Looking, uh, certainly going to keep an eye on the pride. As always, keep the, uh, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Well, just thanks for promoting women's basketball. You know, you're one of the people that have done a great job of doing that in the new Mac conference. And I really appreciate the opportunity today to come in and talk about our program and our school. So well, thank you so much, Dave. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's easier to promote things when guests are able to come on. So thanks for making us look good. Uh, take care of yourself. Take Happy care. holidays. Stay safe. Happy holidays. Take care. Bye. Absolutely. She's Naomi Graves, head coach of the 25th ranked Springfield Pride. Um, Great start. Can't wait to see how this one turns out. Looking forward to it down the road. We'll take another break. When we come back, Wash U men's basketball comes on. Pat Young come talks about his team and their big game they've got coming up against Illinois Wesley. More hoops will after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step. 
but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to interact with us. We're also on YouTube. If you've asked us questions there, this new look that YouTube has isn't allowing me to go figure out where to go look for those uh, questions. Uh, I will try and figure it out later. Um, and my aunt is once again joining the show. Hey, Aunt BJ, turn away for the next segment. The next segment deals with a team in the St. Louis area, and I know you're not a fan. So just, you can turn it off. Um, real quick note I wanted to get to. Um, my alma mater, I found out some interesting quirks in the last 24 hours. On the women's side, they're going up to play at a Moravian tournament next, uh, at the, like right at New Year's. There's a decent chance they're going to end up playing Moravian in that tournament on the other side, like after they win or lose, and Moravian wins or loses, they're probably playing. And then, like, five days later, they're going to play each other for a conference game. Figure that one out. And, and they want to do it, so go ahead. Men's side, this making news, Goucher was supposed to play Loyola in an exhibition game on Tuesday. That's not happening anymore. Loyola has just gotten picked up. This is Loyola D1. Has gotten picked up out of Maryland, I should point out. Got picked up by Duke to play them on Saturday because Cleveland State fell through for Duke. So Loyola is no longer playing Goucher. They're now going to Duke to play on Saturday. Goucher, in the meantime, has Tuesday off. They're still getting the guaranteed check. So it all works out. It was an exhibition game anyway. I was a little miffed at first because they're losing the experience, but they don't lose a game because it was an exhibition, and they're getting the check. I have a feeling Duke might be paying part of that check. Just a gut feeling on this one. Anyway, uh, next up, we're switching out to St. Louis. Talk Wash U men's basketball. If you've been listening to this show the last couple of weeks, you'll know that I'm a little head-scratching about the uh, Bears in the 15th ranked. I have them in my top 25, not that high. This loss to Webster is just gnawing at me. So the only way I get questions when I want the questions answered is I, is I bring them on the show. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Pat Yuckum of the Wash U Bears. Coach, welcome to the show. And let's start with Webster. No, I kid. We'll get to Webster. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. I'm doing great, Dave. Great to see you and great to be back on with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Um, listen, First off, you guys made headlines in the offseason because your A-star jumped into the portal. That grabbed everybody's attention. Went, oh, my gosh, he's, he's going to graduate from WashU. He's going to go. There were D1s that were looking at him. And listen, he deserved it. 
he certainly could have gone to a D1 program and, and played and probably had some time this year and done something magical. But what I found really interesting is he decided to come back to, to the Bears anyway and do a graduate program there, which, I mean, that says a lot about your school. It says a lot about your program. It says a lot about him. How did I, I'm curious how that all kind of went from your perspective. Yeah, you're speaking, obviously, of Jack Nolan. Oh, sorry, uh, yes. I said it in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I know you and I had talked a little bit privately even during yes. this, that, that whole journey. And, um, you know, I, I think Jack isn't unique. I think there were other high-level D3 seniors last year that certainly entertained um, some opportunities. And, and we, as we know, the upper crust, the best players in our level can play you know, a level or two levels up, and, and Jack certainly is one of those guys. You know, I think it, it came down to, um, you know, you know what was, you know, he certainly, as most young men and young women, I mean, enthralled with, hey, that opportunity to, to play at the highest level, and he certainly did have those opportunities. They were real and legit. And I think the thing that, and I, we took the approach, you know, I'm gonna, we were supporting him every way we could. We were talking to coaches on his behalf. Of course, you know, all the time hoping, you know, that he'd choose to come back to Wash U as a grad student. Ultimately, uh, the opportunity here was um, what he wanted and what he was looking for. And I think, you know, when he called me, I think it was in June, um, and shared that news, that what, what was great about it is I could tell in his voice that he was really excited to come back. It wasn't like he was felt like he was settling is like he was legitimately excited to come back and kind of finish off i mean he's had an illustrious career individually certainly impactful with our team and now he's got a chance to with some of his best friends um complete that that experience complete his, his last year of eligibility so we're thrilled and, and certainly i'm a smarter coach with him in the lineup there's there's no doubt about that well that says a lot does it not um in d1 they make more money on those guys but anyway i digress um i was curious though how many d1 coaches were you talking to how many were you interacting with in terms of who is he what do i want to know about him should we take him and all that it was was it a busy off season as a result of that yeah it was it was it was eye-opening yeah um, any you know and and the, the various levels and and I, I can't say that that we are as a staff we were handling all that. Jack Jack handled a lot of that himself, but certainly you know a lot of the the reach outs or the overtures from different staffs. And my assistant has many other connections as well. It ran the gamut, high you know multiple high majors, you know everyone just doing their due diligence. And um, and because he's a terrific player, you, you throw on the synergy film with Jack Nolan, um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And uh, um, so, you know, I, I think it was, you know, I think he feels really good about the process he went through. And, you know, it wasn't just the athletic fit back at WashU. We, we, we knew that was a great fit. You know, I think there was also um, the academic piece as well and a chance to, to get a, you know, a master's in finance from WashU in his extra year. And that's, that's not going to hurt your prospects either. Uh, no, that's not going to hurt a darn bit. Uh, remind me, by the way, what is his major? 
finance. Finance. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think he's good to go. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna work out in life pretty well. Uh, uh, how's yeah. How how has the season gone from his perspective? That's now behind him. I assume he was buckled up and ready to go. But from your perspective, is this the Jack Nolan you were expecting? Yeah, he had a great, great summer. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he's always, I mean, he, he has always worked hard on his game and on his body. But, you know, he, he in the last couple of previous summers, he, he had some some you know, just some injuries and some things that I think prevented him from really working out and training at the level he would have liked to. The one thing with us not playing last year is, you know, it was a lot of rest, too much rest, but a lot of rest on those legs. And he allowed him to train. Um, and, and he's he's better than he's ever been. I mean, in terms of just what he can do physically. Um, you know, so, you know, we could see that right away when we started practice that that he kind of found another level um, just, just you know, athletically. And, um, you know, we're seeing that not just his offensive exploits, but also he's a, an improved defender. He's really um, been a playmaker defensively as well for us. So he's doing really well. And he's had to, you know, Again, as we had to put kind of this team back together, and you know, Evan asked a lot about you know, everyone saw we were we were not aesthetically pleasing uh, the first couple of games. I know there was you know a lot made of that, and I'm walking uh, my way into it. <laughs> uh, and and that, that's flat out true. Um, you know, we've had to learn. We've had to learn how to how to you know play with this group with new guys, and I think Jacks had to adjust to. You know, he was really comfortable with a group of guys that really he understood how to play off of. And a lot of those guys, you know, graduated, moved on. And, and so um, it's taken some adjustment. But I think we've, you know, each day, each game, we've learned a little bit. And it's allowed us to kind of continue to evolve. And we still have a lot of work to do, uh, I think, to get to where we need to get to. But uh, uh, it's, it's, it's obviously it's a blast to be going through that, that process, you know. Yeah, you guys played Milliken out of the gate. They won three of their la- of their first four. The one loss being to you guys, um, and you only, and only beat them by one. And then you had that Webster game that has you know had a few people scratch their heads. Seventy two sixty. We should point out again. You played them two games later, about a week later, and beat them handily seventy nine forty seven with a game against Blackburn in the middle. And since then, you've been on a roll. Since that loss, you've won seven straight. Um, really, there hasn't been a close game outside of a, of a tough one against St. Thomas of Texas, which is just going to get weird to talk about them and not the Tommies. Um, has the lights, you said you're still struggling. It, it seems like the light switch has gone on and you guys are fine. But what are you still trying to get used to that we're not understanding, even if we're watching a game online? Yeah, I wouldn't say struggling is right. We struggled early offense. I think the thing that's been constant for us, and I think really, and I take a lot of this responsibility, I think one thing about sitting around and, and, and thinking about basketball for a year and a half is sometimes as coaches you overthink things. Sure. I, I definitely, I think I was a little bit victim of that. I, I When I flipped on the film and our staff of that, the Webster game, and, and take nothing away, Webster, um, I know they're not having the greatest year, but at their place, especially when Washu is in that gym, uh, they they are they they are another level, and they earned that, and they beat us, no bones about it. Um, we just didn't. I didn't see us. I didn't see the identity that we strive. You know, regardless of what the scoreboard says, like there's just a look, like how 
how we want to play. And that wasn't coming through. And so, it, you know, I think we um, it was a, a reaffirmation of two or three things that, you know, regardless of scoreboard, like when you play Wash U, you're going to remember who you play. You know, and it's not going to be, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to be tough and we're going to be um, not fun to play against. And so it was, uh, you know, we've had to kind of do a, we did a 180, our guys, pretty quickly, um, you know, flip that switch. And I thought we, from that point on, at least defensively, particularly, we've, we've really, you know, made strides towards an identity of just being hard-nosed and hard to play against and, and uh, while we still need to get better there, offensively, you know, we're a work in progress. Um, we've got a lot of intriguing pieces and possibilities. Um, it's a matter of how to how you fit all those together, along with a, a you know terrific scorer and Jack. Sorry, a little quirk in this video. We'll get it fixed for you, all you people. Um, what's interesting is you know you got Jack Nolan at twenty point six points a game, Justin Hardy at ten and a half, and then Davitt at eight and a half, and Doyle at eight. And then it's a steep drop-off. Are you worried that you guys are maybe a little bit one-dimensional or, or two-dimensional and not enough depth? Or is that what you can work on and maybe get to that point for the second half of the season? Yeah, our, our stats certainly kind of reflect that. Um, but I, I really do think we have um, other cap very capable scores that uh, I, I think – and we're going to need gonna need to step forward here a little bit more as we go into – um, you know, the meaty part of our schedule and getting certainly into UAA play. Um, we're going to need to balance that out. And it certainly because Jack draws so much of attention, you know, people don't leave them. And, and that's great. That creates a lot of space for other players. And we do have um, a lot of other very capable players. So like, looking forward to those guys stepping forward. And, and then, you know, if they're going to take Jack Nolan out, well, we should have a lot of space to play in the rest of the floor. Well, they're very, very good, um, as they usually are. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's been um, – we've got a little, little time off, a little break here with finals, so been able to obviously watch them uh, in, in quite great depth and uh, just really impressed their – you know, I've told someone, like, I feel like their teams – you know, the, the names will change over the years, but the, the players and the talent and the depth and size, like, that just stays consistent. Like, it just – you know, just change the names of the scout report, but pretty much – and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're really balanced. They're always, you know, they're, they're obviously really talented offensively and, and really defending. Well, I mean, that's the thing that kind of jumps out when you look at just the numbers is, is teams are really having a hard time scoring on them and, and they're uh, really locking people down. So, um, you know, I think testament to the, the, to the individual defenders and then collectively, they really do get after it. So um, we're going to have to a defend their stuff and, and make it difficult. Um, and, uh, and then conversely, uh, capitalize and, uh, you know, take advantage of, I think, some of the opportunities that we have. And, um, you know, we'll see how the, how the game plays out. I mean, I think it's going to be a great – I know we're looking forward to it. Our guys are really eager to, to see, a, you know, a great test and a great team like Wesleyan. And, and no matter what, we're going to come out better because of it.
Yeah, I think it's going to be ooh, just a, a battle. I think my hair's turning gray just thinking about it, actually, or grayer. It's quite gray already. Um, you know, it's it's been so long since we've seen those teams play. I, I, I have to start to remember, like, okay, who does everybody have? You know, and as I started, like, this past weekend, I watched a couple teams play live for the first time. And I'm like, dang, you know, like there's a lot of talent back in our league, a lot, you know, decent amount of uh, grad students. And then there's some impact transfers that came in as well. So there's um, I feel like everybody got a little bit better. Um, and and I don't know, it's just it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> I say, you know, as a competitor, as a competitor, a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a, a, you know, a six week brutal battle. Uh, but, you know, I think everyone, you feel that way with your league, right? When you're in your league play, I don't care what league you're in, it, it seems and, and feels like the toughest league in the country. And, um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for, you know, playing against these teams. It's a lot of fun to play um, in this league and go on these trips and, and be tested. And, you know, we just don't, we don't see, we don't cross over with those places a lot outside. And it's been, you know, obviously we're going back, uh, you know, two seasons now. So, um, man, can't wait for it. And I know we do have to get a lot better between now and then. I don't know if I'd say worried. I mean, I think we're, we're eyes are wide open, you know, and, and certainly we're, we're, we're seeing what's out there. I, I think the, our league and our, our, and I'll speak from Wash U's vantage point, and then I think the rest of the conference, we are, you know, we had a great fall sport, um, you know, UAA play in multiple sports. Obviously, you know, there's been this a little different environment right now, as we understand, but I, I think everything's in place for us. Um, I, I know the, the leadership and all of our, Universities are really committed. Um, this is really important for our student athletes. Um, it's such a big part. It's it's great to see the universities recognize how important this is, not just the university, but to these student athletes. And um, um, so, I mean, eyes wide open, we certainly will take every precaution and follow every protocol necessary. The bottom line is, is we just want to see these young men and young women compete. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it was great that he was able to share his story and, and do it in his way and, and, and as he is so eloquent. Um, in that process. It's been, you know, it's amazing. I, I've, I've run out of words, adjective to describe him. Um, it, it's, I've told people privately, like, I think they'll make a movie about him someday. I really, this is, um, you know, he continues, he, he had a treatment on, you know, earlier this week at Monday, Tuesday, and, you know, Wednesday he was in practice kicking butt. 
Um, and today, you know, you got a shooting workout with me and I have no doubt tomorrow he'll be ready to rock and roll as well. So he's just, he's just a little bit, he's different. And he is, um, what he means to our program is, is obvious, but it's, it's goes, it, it, you know, we're learning. There's, there's just so many teachable moments um, as we support him through this journey. And that's really an important part, huge part, I think of our responsibility and his teammates. Um, he is, he is uh, on a, geez, on a daily basis, um, just showing the way, showing our young guys how to, how to go about, how to handle academics, uh, high level athletics, um, how to, how to just go about your business and, and be serious and yet have a level perspective. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed um, at what we see, you know, from him. And I'm really excited. We, we really take things, you know, very much day by day. Um, and I think that's just in general, probably a pretty good approach, but uh, this really helps keep things in a, in a proper perspective and, you know, us not obsessing about what the scoreboard says. It's it's far bigger than that. Um, but we're just blessed to every day that when 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 Justin's out there with us, which is every day, um, it's a great day. Well, just again, thankful to be back with you know, on here with the uh, with you, Dave, and the rest of the D three community. And I I shared this recently. I don't know where I saw it, uh, but someone put this out on, on Twitter. And like the only good thing in, on Twitter these days is is related to D three basketball and the D three community. And and that's that's so true. <laughs> so so I'm just uh, appreciative of being part of that. A small, very small part of uh, D3 basketball and thank you guys for what you do to continue to promote and grow the brand and all the great stories that go along with, uh, with uh, D3 sports. Thank you, Dave. Online, appreciate him taking the time to do so. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Scott Bittner joins us. Uh, not only have we not talked to him in a, in a bit, we also changed technologies on him. He's joining us via Zoom, and we do appreciate that from New Jersey. We'll talk to the man about his Ospreys coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NBC Studios. More Hoops will after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Remember giving anybody permission to do it that fast. It's insane. No, it's just insane. All right, where is it? Chris sent me an email. There it is. Had a couple of nuggets on it. There we go. Perfect. Awesome. Oh, I'm already on the air. Ah, that's what happens when you cover up the screen. Welcome to Dr. Hoopsville, everybody. Already figuring out today that when my son gets finally into the show and we put him kind of over here to produce and we finally figure out the gremlins that aren't working that gets him to do it, there's a list of things he's going to be doing to free it up for me. I'm not going to know what it's going to be like since Chris Tower was producer extraordinaire. And even then, I don't think Chris was doing as much as I'm going to hand my 12-year-old son because he can handle it. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Apologize to anybody who might be on there who's been interacting with us. Nope, nobody. We're also streaming on YouTube. Not a lot of movement there, but that's because we haven't been doing it in a while. We're just kind of dabbling with it to see uh, before the end of the of this, this side of the year uh, whether we're going to continue doing that down the road. Um, coming up, don't forget, Christopher Newport, women's basketball coach, um, Bill Broderick will join us and uh, we'll answer any of your questions too before the end of the show. We'll also tease ahead to Sunday's show, our final one before the holiday break. We'll also talk a wee bit about the D3Hoops.com classic coming up in Las Vegas. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that. Um, Chicago men's basketball joining us. First UAA program to join us in Las Vegas. I meant to ask Pat Yucca when we're going to see the Bears. I knew I was forgetting an important question. We'll get to him some other time about that. All right, talking uh, at, well, I, I wanted to say Atlantic Region Basketball. It's Region 4 now. Speaking of which, the men's basketball um, pre-championship manual is out, and we've noticed that the C2C, the former CAC, the Coast to Coast Conference, is divvied up amongst the nation. It is not all in one region. Not surprising in my opinion, but we had been led to believe it would be all in one region. They didn't do it that way, so they're spread out. All right, so... And Jack, we always talk in Jack last night. And Jack member went up against Yeshiva and nearly knocked him off. You got to be impressed with that if you're an NJAC member, but it's always a battle in the NJAC. Just ask the NJAC, they'll tell you that. Um, but that all joking aside, there are some good teams in the NJAC, and this year feels a little more topsy turvy on the men's side. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is one of the reasons it's topsy-turvy. It's good to have him back on the show. It's been a little too long. Scott Bittner joins us from the Stockton Osprey, sir. Good to see you. Thanks for taking the time. Um, maybe I've made more excuses than I needed to to get you on the show, but I'm glad to have you on. How are you doing? Great. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, 
Nice to talk about our team. Absolutely. Off to a 9-1 start. That's the best since 2014-15 when you guys started 11-0. and 0. Don't worry. We're not, we're not comparing. Um, you're leading the, the NJAC and ranking fourth in the nation at turnover margin. Uh, you're plus 8.3, which is insane. By the way, you're also tied for, in Division three ninth in three-pointers per game. I'll get to that one in a minute because that one intrigues me a bit. But from your perspective, that tells us one thing. How, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I think we're doing all right. Um, you know, I mean, we've gotten off to a good start. I mean, the guys, by my tone in, in practice today, would probably think I'm not really <laughs> happy with them, but I am. Um, <laughs> but now's the time you can push a little bit when sure. you're starting to think about themselves. Um, we're not defending as well as we have the last two seasons. Um, so that, that's a concern of mine, but I, we're really talented on offense. And, uh, you know, we, we've been able to get by without being perfect on defense. But, you know, hopefully that'll change. Um, sorry, I got a tweet couldn't figure out. Um, 9 1 start. You played Acadia to start in Newman. You played Salisbury and Rutgers New- Camden. By the way, Rutgers Camden score surprised me, 113.56. Uh, you lost to Rochester, but it was tight, 72.65 at their place. You played at the Palestra. Um, and then you beat Myra up there, 77.39. I think that's when, for me, at the end of November, I started kind of had my eyebrow raised going, what, what's going on? Because those are some really solid results. You also played a host ton of games there in November. Got into conference play, and you start 4-0 and with wins over Rowan, Ramapo, TCNJ, and Montclair State. It, listen, that's a terrific start, and, and you can lean back on that come later in the season when it when it becomes a battle because you've already gotten four games under your belt as wins. Yeah, is it four or five? five. Oh, maybe it's five. Oh, yeah, Rutgers Camden. I forgot that, the four straight. So it's 5-0. and You're right. Yeah, so – yeah, I mean, that, that was our goal coming in, um, is to celebrate Christmas undefeated uh, in the league. <laughs> um, it would have been nice to – Rochester, you know, I, would, I, w- I wish we played a little bit better up there. But, you know, playing playing uh, Luke's teams are, are, you know, is great for getting ready for some of the teams in our league and some of the teams in the region. And those are the teams you have to beat to, to, to advance in the NCAA tournament if we're lucky enough to get there. Um so that, that was a great game for us, win or lose. Your coming out party, per se, was two seasons ago. Um, last year, you were 5-4, and 3-3 three and three in the end, Jack, but it was last year. That it, Can't really you know talk much about that because there's so much going on. But the previous season, 18-9, and nine, and you were 14-4 and four in conference. If there was a reason to get you on the show, we should have taken it then because you guys certainly were in the mix. But because before that, it was 10-15, and 15-10, and 10, there, there was just kind of this lull a little bit that we're, we weren't, weren't accustomed to. Yeah. So what was it about think, two years I, ago, and what is it that you, you're carrying forward now? I, I think any time you take over a program, what, no matter how, how involved you were right. under the previous coach, I, I think you have certain non-negotiables. And, you know, everybody has different non-negotiables. And until the, those, you know, those were implemented and you had the right guys on the boat, um, you know, I, I think you're going to have a little bit of time where, where it's, it, it's, it's not exactly your program. Um, so we brought in a class, was that two, three seasons ago or two seasons ago, <laughs> that we felt great about. We didn't realize how, how early they would contribute. Um, but, but that group, you know, we, I believe four of the five leading scorers 
were freshmen and sophomores. Um, so we, we thought going forward, we'd be pretty good the last two years. Um, last season was, was a wash just because, you know, we had a kid that was first team all league the year before that missed the first three or four games of COVID out of nine. Uh, the point guard missed all but the final two. And then our the two kids that we thought would be the two better post players going into that season didn't play at all. So we were really happy with last year. Sure. The, the went. Um, because we played better and better. We had a senior leader last year that never thought the season was going to happen. Mm. So wasn't in shape until four or five weeks in. And when he started playing well, then, then you know, I, I thought we were a pretty good team by the end of last se- little, you know, the little season. Um, so we were really excited going into this. Um, I thought going in, it's our most talented team since the final four year. Okay. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, I thought we were extremely deep and there's very little – you know, the 11th guy and the 6th guy, not a, not a big difference. Um, not unlike the Final Four team, you know, which as good as that team was, two of our better players didn't even make the trip to, to, to Roanoke that year because of um, one was an injury and one was an off-the-court thing. Um, so we, we kind of think we're, we're in the same boat in terms of depth. I'm not sure the top four guys are as good as those top four guys yet. We'll see. Um, because that that was a really special group, um, but we, we there's a lot of similar similarities. Um, the unselfishness with this group in terms of not caring who gets the credit um, has been pretty special, and it, it gives you a feeling where special things can happen if if that holds true. You know, if that stays the way it is. You've got four seniors on this team, ten juniors. So you yeah, they're not they're not really senior. I mean, I, we yeah. don't know what. Well, I was going to say, how do you break that down in reality, though? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we, I mean, there's only, I think, there's only two, two kids that are definitely not coming back. And gotcha. Then, and then the juniors are really the sophomores, and a lot of them are sophomores academically because two of them opted out. Sure. So, so you know, it's a mess. Yeah, so no, I, I get it. That's why I was kind of wondering. I, I don't envy you going forward because how are you going to make any predictions about next season not knowing who's a senior, who's not a senior? Yeah. It's I, a crack. I, we had anyway, enough trouble with this knows. season. Next season? Right, nobody knows oh. who anybody's going to have. No, no. And 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 it could change because, you know, we talked with, with – uh, um, Pat Yuckum, you know, you know, his top player was going to possibly go on to D1 for his graduate year and changed his mind. There's other teams, uh, I think, in women's basketball. Hope was supposed to lose four players. They all decided, no, nope, we're coming back for one more. I mean, you just you just don't know how it's going to play out. The COVID yeah. year certainly did a number. We should point out, you're led by two guys with more than 17 points a game so far in the first 10 contests. Uh, Luciano, uh, Luciano Lebrano at 17.4 points a game and DJ Campbell at 17 points a game. And by the way, Keon Flanders at 13 points a game and nine points for Caden uh, Dawkins. But those two certainly seem like a, a dangerous one-two punch right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some people would say we've had, we have a three-headed monster. And I, and I like to put Caden in there, too, because I think he's the – He's the straw that, that stirs the drink and, and makes the game easier for the other three. Um, I hate to, to not put Kion on the same boat as the other two because he does so many other things for our team. Um, he's, a, he's a kid that was first team all league two years ago as a sophomore. Um, he's the best leader I've ever coached. Um, and I, I don't even think it's close. Hmm. His intangibles, for instance, he took nine charges against Rowan. 
Um, nine? He, he took nine charges. And he has two. He had two wow. games. He had over 30, I believe, or close to 30. He had nine threes in like two games. But then the next game, he took three shots because we asked him to face guard somebody. So I, I've never seen a kid that wants to, he wants to rest on offense. So I, I hate to not have him included with Luch and DJ because as great as they are, like I, Kion is, is, you know, he, he's he's right there for us, you know, and, and you know, I like I think they're all as important as each other. It's like I tell I yell at my daughter, she's she's telling me who her best friend is. And I'm like, well, you don't really, you shouldn't have a best friend. Like they're all your best friends. Fair. We don't have a best player. Like what game is it? Yeah, fair. I think we have, you know, three, four, four guys that we could say at times, like Katie and in the fall we, we thought was our best player. Um and then we have a forward that that opted out last year that's now rounding in the form when he was a freshman there was games he was our best player as a freshman so you know we i don't like to say we have a best guy we you know sure who's got it going that night and i think like kion had the two games close to 30 and then the next two nights teams were keying on him so it was somebody else's turn um but the, but they're all you know in terms of a backcourt it's the best we've ever had you know collectively well, it's interesting, too, because they're part and parcel for why you've almost taken 300 three-pointers this season. So you're averaging just shy of, of three, 33s a game in a 40-minute game. Again, back to that stat we had, um, tied for ninth in threes per game at 11.4. You put 113 up on Rutgers Camden, as we pointed out. That's the third most in program history, and that's 1,300 games. And by the way, you're shooting 38.8% from deep. So it's not like you're just taking a lot of shots. You're making a ton of them. What, is, what are you guys doing offensively? Because this doesn't feel like the system. I don't want to group it into that because that's a different beast in its entirety. But it does feel different. And I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm used to up-tempo from you, but I don't know if I'm used to up-tempo with outside shooting on top of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's our, you know, the players are dictating the way we play it to a degree. Um, Isn't that the Luke, coach's job? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, the, I, I say this all the time: like we get a better shot when I when I keep my mouth shut. And let <laughs> but f for us to do that, we have to defend. So I, I kind of give them, I give them the offense on on this shot offense, and, and then. Then if you you know if you want me involved the whole game, then just stop playing defense and I'll stand up and, and <laughs> exactly where I want the ball to go. But I think we're better defending and running, and we we collectively we have so many guys that can really shoot the ball. Um, the you know more than we've probably ever had. Um, so and we're we're trying to get a layup, a foul shot, or or a catch and shoot three every time down, and we stress it and we emphasize it, and and then on defense we're trying. Not very well right now to, to prevent teams from getting the other thing, from, you know, against Well, us. you're keeping teams to 65.2 points a game, and they're shooting 41% from the floor. I suspect it's the 41% from the floor you'd love to see better. Yeah, I mean, we've been, you know, I believe we've been in the top three or four in the country the last two seasons in defensive efficiency. Um, and two years ago, field goal percentage defense, I, I think us and Rutgers Newark were, were like both in the top three or four. And and that we want that at about thirty eight percent. So, uh, you know, I, I think we've played hard every game. I'm not sure we've played with an edge. 
Um, and I don't think we've played with humility every game. Hmm. Uh, there's games like College New Jersey's become a rival of sorts because sure. Matt's done a great job and we've played them in the playoffs. Um, the, we played them in the finals two years ago and then we played in the semis last year. And then Rowan's always a big rival. So, of course, we played with an edge those two days. Um, and and we showed how we can defend. So, um, you know. You need that every game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't think, it, you know, I, I just think we haven't been humble as, as we need to be. So I, I humbled them pretty well today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, is, is the change to the three-point shooting a, a realm of analytics and, and how the game has evolved where a lot of people talk about the three-pointer being better, you know, a, a more – Obviously, it's worth more points. But shooting the three is better than shooting a 15-foot jumper? Or is it just – it just happens that that's how it's come along? Like, where where yeah. is the evolution come from? No, I mean, we, we definitely talk about that. I mean, I, I, a good team shooting two-point percentages, you know, might be high 40s, 47 yeah. 40%. You, know, you only have to shoot 33% from three for it to be worth more. And as you see, you know, we're, we're shooting a lot, but we're shooting 38%. Right. So I just, you know, I, I think if we can get a catch and shoot three, that's what we want. We, we, we don't want to take a three. We want to take our three. Um, and I, you know, I mean, we, we go back and forth. But I, I think what you emphasize is kind of what your team can become. Um, but the, it's all, all the credit goes to those guys because they do spend a lot of time in the gym. You know, DJ's as hard a worker as we've ever had. Luchas is just a naturally gifted, really good shooter and become great in a pick and roll. And and Kion, you know, his first year or two, I kept stressing that I, I'd like him to catch and shoot the three. You know, but he scored 2,600 points in high school, something ridiculous as a six-foot kid. But they, most of them were going to the basket. And, you know, I remember my college career. I, I thought I had to change the way I played. And in high school, I could play from the inside out. Well, in college, you want to play from the outside in if you're a guard. And once he's figured that out, I mean, he's been shooting the ball. I mean, he's like 45 or 46%. I think LeBron is up at mid-40s. Um, so, that the, you know, I, I, and Katie is the one that gets in those easy shots. So I, I think they all just play really well together. And, and um and as long as they defend better than I did in college, we'd be okay. <laughs> I'm curious, though, because a lot of this has been on the road or not at your place. So it's not like you're playing really well and shooting incredibly well because you know the sight lines um, so well at, at the sports center. You're playing a lot of your games this season have been on the road and not at your place. So that's that seems like a scary venture if I'm another NJAC team. It's not like you're going to come in and go a little cold in their place. Uh, let, let's hope. Yeah, you know, knock on wood, right? Yeah, let, 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 let's, let's, you know, there's so many challenges. You, you just don't want to look too far ahead sure. of, of anything. You know, you just kind of appreciate every day for it is and, and you know, want guys to stay healthy. And, and you know, there's just, I, I the, the amount of challenges in the last year, I, you know, it's just, it's just been crazy. Um, you know, and, and and with our kids, it's probably more of um, it's not COVID, but it's COVID related. You know, just the mental grind and, and academically, it's been more challenging. So it just seems like there's so much more stress in young people's lives. So it's 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 been it's sure. been a real test of trying to be a psychologist day in and day out, and and, and 
you know, just trying to remember that our job is to do what's best for 18 to 20 year olds, not or 22 year olds, 23 year olds. And, and that may not be the same thing that's best for my mother. But, you know, I, I have to, you know, well, my, my job is to, is to make sure that they're good mentally, sure. you know, and happy and, and enables it to succeed, you know, on the court and in class. 10 games down, which means you got 15 left. 13 of them are in conference. You've already gotten 15 of your 18 conference games done. You got 13 left. How is this NJAC going to shake out this year, do you think? Uh, who knows? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, we, we just have a tendency to beat each other up. Yeah. The, the the first thing I put on the board every game is play harder. I, I think that determines who wins ninety five percent of the NJAC games. Um, you know, Jersey City will be there even though they got off to a slow start because you know as they did last night, they just never quit. Right. And, and yeah, you know, it's just that Mark's teams and they have his personality. So you know, you figure they'd be there. Rowan's extremely talented, um, and they have guys that that are just starting to play with each other. So you figure they're going to get better. And then, you know, Matt does a great job. Joe Lockman's as good a coach as there is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And they're playing really well. And, and William Patterson's a really hard matchup because they put five guards out there. And, you know, it seems for, it seems to be harder for a big to match up with a guard than it does for a guard to match up with a big. Fair. Um, so it's, 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 it's interesting because our league is it used to be a real grinded out fist fight league. And now there's, you know, Montclair has got a, a set of really good young guards and they're pressing the entire game. So our league's changed a bit. Kane's much better and, and they have a, a really, really good player that I loved when he was in junior college. So uh, who am I missing? I mean, it, I mean, that's, that's certainly the bulk of it. I, I'm curious. Yeah. You've, there have been a number of coaching changes in the conference over the last five years, let's say. Thus, new philosophies are coming in, different tendencies and, 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 and ideas and all that versus what felt like a very stable NJAC for a while. How hard has it been to adjust to all the different styles that, that are now kind of being played in a conference that used to be, I don't want to say one-dimensional in a negative way. I just mean we all kind of knew what we were going to see in the NJAC, right. but now you see a whole lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's it, you know, I, I worry more about us than other teams anyway. Fair. So we'll scout other teams' actions more than their plays. Um, but, you know, so Rowan, Rowan, I mean, we got kind of lucky. We played Rowan and then Montclair not long after. And right. They're pretty similar in terms of at least their pressure and, and trying to cause chaos and whatnot. And then we were fortunate to play Matt. After you know, after we played Luke at, at Rochester, so that was kind of prepared us for that. So Fair, we made yeah. <laughs> it away. Um, but it's you know that that's the fun of it, right? But we, yeah. we just we try to work on just being really good fundamentally defensively and not worry about the actual play because my guys have a lot of trouble remembering my plays, and I don't think I'm going to teach them somebody else's plays. Sure, no, too. No, that makes total sense. Hey, like I said, fun to see you guys off to the start. Um, and and it's fascinating what you guys are doing. If someone's looking at the stat sheet, it, there's a lot of things that jump out at you, which is what finally drew my attention to get you on the show. So I appreciate you taking the time. Um, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. You got Rosemont and, and ahead this week. Then you'll take the holiday break, play Misery Accordia, and then you'll get back into conference play. So I know you got to... I know you'll enjoy the holidays for a little bit of a break, but I know you're itching to get back into it. As always, 
We give the guests, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, I mean, I, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate everything you do for our uh, our level. Um, you make it special for, for the coaches and you make it special for the players. And Some of my meatheads are so dedicated that I'm sure they're tuning in. And uh, so, so thank you very much for everything you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. As I said to everybody else, thanks for coming on. Makes our job a bit easier as well. Hey, enjoy the holidays. Look forward to, to seeing you down the road, and uh, good luck with, with the NJAC schedule. I'm sure it's not going to be any different this year than it normally is. Right, and uh, happy holidays to everybody out there. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Take care, Coach. Scott Bidner joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline via Zoom. Um, quick note for all of you at home. Um, when the men's committee, obviously they expanded to 10 because of COVID, both committees were able to retain the two that should have rotated off after last year. That would have been Leonard Trevino at Chatham and Ramapo men's basketball coach, uh, who's representing their region. Um, also McBreen, uh, he was, they, they could stay on if they wanted Apparently, Leonard Trevino chose not to. Uh, he, he stepped aside, but McBreen is on the committee. So the NJAC will be res- represented on the national level by Chuck McBreen. And really, that's to help not only because of COVID, they lost that year, but because we expanded to 10 regions. On the women's side, by the way, just a mental note, Polly Thomason, who will be joining us on Sunday's show, um, had to get rotated off the committee, even though that opportunity was technically there because Texas Dallas moved into the West region and there was already a West region. I say West region, region 10. There was already a region 10 member on the committee. She wasn't either still representing her committee. So they didn't, or her region. So they didn't have to bring somebody on or representing a quote unquote new committee or one uh, that a region that didn't have anybody. So unfortunately that lost Polly for that reason. Uh, I don't believe that's the reason Leonard Trevino left. Uh, his reach, I don't think he changed. I, I'll circle back and maybe that's wrong. So anyway, both committees, I believe, retained one person and lost one from that from that grouping. Anyway, just a little mental note, a little side note for you, uh, for anybody out there. I'm um, going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk Christopher Newport women's basketball. Bill Broderick will come on the show, talk about his program and everything he likes about it and how they're doing so well. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the W or the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the WBCA and Blue Frame Technology. More Hoops Hill after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. 
Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I centered up and everything, yeah. Welcome back to Hoops Hill, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show, getting ready for our final guest. If you've got questions for us, we will take a quick break after our final segment, most likely. We might just keep going. Tweet us, at D3HoopsHill or hashtag HoopsHill. Email us, HoopsHill at D3Sports.com. Haven't checked the email. I'll do so in a minute. If you've emailed us, I apologize. Uh, you can also um, Facebook us, Facebook.com slash HoopsHill. Admittedly, I haven't checked that one in, in a bit there. Got tied up talking with a coach there. Um, the ways you can interact with us feel free to do so. Uh, and I hope you're enjoying it on the big screen. Thanks to our friends at Blue Frame Technology and the Team One Sports app. You can watch us on Amazon Fire, and Android TV, Apple TV, and Roku on your big screen. Um, not everybody does that with their athletic departments. You should do it if you're on your athletic departments. Gives everybody a chance to uh, watch you if you're on your Blue Frame Technology band uh, or system. All right, switching back and talking women's basketball. Um, one of the teams that has not surprisingly skyrocketed into the top 25 and now into the top 10 is Christopher Newport. We always know the captains are going to be good, especially in women's basketball. Uh, Bill Broderick's squad certainly clicking along. What's scary is that their defense looks just as good as it always does, and teams are struggling against it. And if you're struggling against that defense, the chance of winning is not high. Um it's also intriguing to watch because, as Gordon Mann would call it, 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 it seems like chaos on the floor. But we all know there's a plan and there's a reason behind it. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to have fun and talk about that defense and his team, it's Bill Broderick from the sixth-ranked captains. Uh, sir, thanks for taking the time. Well set up. Love, love the backdrop. How are you? Good. I'm great. And uh, thank you so much uh, for having me, Dave. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thrilled to have you. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, first and foremost, uh, we'll get it out of the way earlier because we were talking about it just before we came back from the break. I was supposed to see you at, at Goucher for the Rini Amos Classic, the debut in Rini Amos Classic that was so wonderfully done. For Side note, for anybody who doesn't know, Rini Amos uh, was and still is um the most offensive prolific player in NCAA history in the state of Maryland. That counts Maryland in D1 programs. She scored like 2,200 points in her career at Goucher. Um, and so they used to do a running race. They, they went with a basketball tournament. I was supposed to be there this year, Bill. Uh, I heard you were coming and changed my plans. Uh, I kid. I kid. I was looking forward to seeing it. I'm sorry I missed it. But what I noticed was you shellacked my Gophers, but you're shellacking other teams because if you look at some of the some of the scores um, in this in your in your games, it's ridiculous. Eighty-eight fifty-one over a. 
pretty decent Southern Virginia team. 109-59 over Bridgewater. Gettysburg was a close one, 70-67. That was at Goucher. And then you beat Goucher 113-42. Uh, Lebanon Valley, who's not having a great year, but still 94-31. Randolph-Macon by 15. Franklin and Marshall by 15. We won't talk about the William Peace game. Meredith, you you handled Marymount. Marymount jumped off the screen at me, Bill. You held them to 39 points and put up 93 yourself in a score reversal game, no matter how you look at it. it, It's the same. And then you beat North Carolina Wesleyan. You guys are playing seemingly, tell me if I'm wrong, like it's the end of the season. You're you're playing so well. Do I have that right? Is that how it feels? Yeah. You know, I think – I think one advantage that you're seeing with a lot of teams, and I think the teams that are kind of coming out um, kind of fast out of the gate is, you know, we've got six seniors and three juniors. And so with so many people, you know, not playing basketball really for almost two years, uh, I think there's just a huge advantage to the veteran teams. And so I think that's been, um, I I think that's been a big part of what we're doing. Um, now, you know, our freshmen and our sophomores, I think, are still struggling like, you know, anyone um, and trying to come along a little bit. But um, but I think that's been a big, big key to our success. And maybe uh, some of those teams that have been traditionally uh, a lot better, maybe a little bit down uh, right now. So I think that may be a little bit part of it. But um, but, yeah, we had a great, uh, great game with uh, Gettysburg. Um, there and at, at you said the Goucher tournament, which um, I got to give a shout out to Coach Preston, uh, did a phenomenal job in the event that she put on there and uh, everything first class. We, we really enjoyed it. Um, and I think even Randolph Macon at their tournament, I mean, I think the final score difference might have been 25 or 30, but but the game was really actually much closer than that. And that kind of got away at the end. So I, I think. I think they're doing a really good job, too, and probably maybe the second-best team in Yodak maybe right now. You're outscoring your opponents. You put up offensively 94.8 points a game. You're holding your opponents to 50.8. You are shooting from the floor. Your team is 49.7% and 36% from beyond the arc. You're holding your opponents to 35% from the floor, 25 from beyond the arc. Now, granted, some of the opponents, certainly not high-caliber opponents. We'll talk to the, about the scheduling in a minute. That, that, that's a whole different beast. But still, you're holding some really good teams to some really tough offensive numbers. We know it starts with your defense. 94 feet of absolute chaos. And I know you talk about it, you know, the year everybody has talent that could return or state or whatever. But for some... They can't keep everybody on the same page or they're struggling with bad habits that formed while they were playing because they couldn't play with them. It's D3. You're not with them all the time. So how in the world are you able to get the 94 feet of chaos working so well when you have, granted, played a few games last year, had enormous gaps in your ability to coach them? Yeah. Um, You know, I think uh, I've got a really good staff. Uh, I've got an assistant that's been with me for three years, uh, Alex Tomlinson, who does a great job, and um, Coach Collins and Coach Guest. We've got a really good staff. Um, I, you know, I think one of our biggest, um, I don't want to even say secrets, but reasons for our success since I've been here is 
you know, while yes, our system is definitely different, um, the school and those things, I think once you get a chance to get down here, it's, it's a beautiful place to go to school. But our team chemistry is always so good. And, and I know a lot of people talk about it, but when you think about it, you know, we've got some really good players. Um, you know, no one plays more than 20, 25 minutes for us. And so you're talking about a lot of people who sacrifice egos um, to really just play for the team. And so I think, I think that's a big part of it for us. Um, and when you have, you know, six seniors that are able to emulate and, and demonstrate and show how we, you know, do our presses, you know, that makes a big difference for them to be able to see it and hear it. And, and like you said, it definitely, um, you know, we call it captain's chaos and it, it definitely looks like chaos, but it's, it's, it's a lot more organized than that. So uh, our, our freshmen say it's a lot harder to pick up our, uh, our defenses than our offenses. So, well, what's crazy too is you don't have a single player who's who's playing on average, even half a game. Yeah. You, I mean, those are usually you have somebody who's playing more than twenty minutes a game. You don't. Some would say that's almost a system esque type scenario. But is it because everybody's picking it up that you can just rotate 10, 12 players even more off the bench continuously, or is there something else that's leading to that? Yeah. I think I think what you said, I think the scores have led to that more um, because I think usually our, our we call it our first 10. We don't even really call it starters, but, <laughs> you know, usually, you know, usually in that first 10, we've got, you know, three or four people that are 24, 25 minutes a game. But I think because of our scores, you know, we've been able to to really play our freshmen a lot and. You know, we have one player who just came back off of a concussion, but it's the first time I've, I've ever had where, you know, every single player on our roster is averaging double figures. Um, so that's uh, kind of crazy. <laughs> just a little <clears throat> bit. By the way, quickly, uh, first in uh, first in the nation in steals, third in turnovers, forced, also third in blocks, by the way. Um but on top of that, listen, let's go to the offense. Again, I point out, shooting nearly 50% from the floor and putting up 98 points per game, or 94, 95 points per game, sorry. So, yeah, great. Defense is wonderful. That's lovely. But you're turning it into points. And that is probably the scariest part. You're not letting – you don't give up those opportunities. Yeah, we've we added some wrinkles uh, over the last uh, year and a half when we were off to our transition and I think I think that's really made a big difference where, you know, we're, we, we've been able to get down and score some buckets in three to four seconds. And so we've been really trying to run the floor and, and we've done some different things. And I think that's really kind of helped us to to actually play faster than we were already playing. Um, so it, it's fun. People seem to enjoy it. Um, you know, our ladies really enjoy it. It gets a lot of people involved and. And it's, you know, it's it's gone pretty well for us so far. Let's talk about uh, Sandra Fan, by the way, preseason All-America choice. Uh, good work from Gordon Mann, because I think he may have seen something coming. So she's only averaging a shade under 17 minutes a game, but she's averaging 15 points per game. So let's extrapolate that out, thanks to Ron, uh, Rob Silsby, who did this for us. If she were to play 40 minutes, she'd be averaging 31, 38 points a game, six assists, almost eight steals a game, 
by the way, she's already shooting 58% from the floor and 52% from three. Listen, I know you got a lot of players who can play, and you got your first 10, and you got the bench and all that. But a player like that is scary and seems tough to stop. Yeah, she is. She is really playing at a different level this year, and and she's one of our seniors. Um, you know, at this point, we we don't have anyone uh, planning on coming back for a fifth year. Um, I'm hoping, you know, maybe we'll get someone, and and especially Sandra, I think would would probably have a chance to be in the top three uh, all time here uh, if she was. But she's just really playing with such a sense of urgency, and that. And, and it's even in practice. I mean, she just leads and goes so hard on both ends. Uh, and the numbers she's put up in, in the lack of minutes she's played is has really been phenomenal. And you know what? Doesn't complain, doesn't count numbers, uh, just, just doesn't do that, just wants to win. The other one that jumps off the table, if anyone's looking at the stats, is Ayanna Simmons. Um, she's shooting... She's scoring 12 and a half points a game. She shoots 63.4%. And as your SID pointed out, once she gets the numbers, she's destroying the career mark at 59% from the floor. Um, she's only taken one three this year. She didn't make it. Her only her only setback, you look at stats, is teams are going to start fouling her because she's mm-hmm. shooting 47.5% from the floor, uh, from, the, from the line. I'm sure that'll be changed at some point in time. But she's also that kind of one-two punch combo there that allows Fan to succeed, but also everybody else. Yeah, she is uh, also, like you said, a, definitely a special talent. You know, she actually uh, was a 5'10 point guard in high school. Wow. And it, it took a lot of convincing uh, between her and I in conversations to not only say that I'm not going to you know, move you to the wing, but I'm actually going to move you to the four. And um, and in our system, I think she started to realize the things that she can do. Um, and, you know, she's been a, a better free throw shooter. So I'm not as worried about that, but she's been coming in and really working on that and trying to change some things. Um, she actually can shoot the three. Um, she just and she has the green light like pretty much everyone. But, you know, she can really get to the basket going right or left and. So, you know, uh, she keeps the game simple, and um, she's another one that just works really, really hard, um, tenacious, and uh, just really happy to have her. So we talked about everything that's going well. What, what is it about this team that you think still needs to be improved upon? Um, you know, we've, we have um, two key players uh, out for the year, um, which really hurt us, one of our um, combo guards and a, freshman that we were hoping to uh, to maybe see some minutes for us. So we are a little thin for our system uh, at the wing. Um, and uh, and then also getting uh, Julia Hobbs back. She was out with uh, she was out five weeks with a pretty major concussion. And so we wanted to be really safe with her. And she's come back and really started to give us some good minutes. So I think just we need to continue to, to build depth at the wing. Uh, we actually moved Katie Rader uh, from a post to the wing. Um, and she's probably been the biggest surprise for us this year. She's, she's really done a good job. And it, it doesn't surprise me. She's a, a really good talent and, and one of the smartest, uh, smartest kids I've ever coached. So 
Um, 28-game winning streak ain't too shabby. Um, obviously, I, I think a lot of people, have, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the NESCAC teams. We talk about Tufts. We talk about Amherst, certainly, have been synonymous with success. You're, you're with them in terms of the only three teams in the last five years to get to the second weekend. Um, you just haven't kind of crossed that threshold, as it were. I had the honor of seeing your women's soccer team cross that threshold recently with a national championship to boot um, and with an outstanding player in Riley uh, Cook. This team always seems to come close, but just not quite get there as a program. And and I'm not trying to say that as a negative because there are hundreds of teams that wish they could be in your shoes to even have those opportunities. But I am curious, and I say this a little tongue-in-cheek, with soccer winning a championship, is there a little bit of a pressure, or have you guys internally felt like, darn it, we're good enough to be there, that there's pressure to now take whatever that next logical step is, either it's doing well at the Final Four or winning the championship. Some teams have different variables. But is that, or are you happy with what you guys are accomplishing and whatever happens, happens? Um, you know, I think the goal is is always to try to win a conference championship and win a national championship. Um, I think you and I have talked about this before. Um, I can't remember, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I know. The You know, as a public school, you know, it's, right. it's such a different world for us in women's basketball. And, you know, uh, I believe it's, uh, I think it was 2001 maybe was the last time that a public school team won a national championship. Um, and before that, I believe it was 1996 uh, with uh, Kathy Bennett, uh, Tony Bennett's sister. So, you know, and, and being we're, we're the only public school team to make the Final Four in the last 10 years, and we've made it twice. So, you know, it's, it's definitely kind of uncharted waters a little bit in women's basketball um, to, to really get there. So... I know that we're doing something special. Uh, I know we're the best public school team in the country. Um, so I'd, I'd love to get a chance. I mean, you know, last time, uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, we, you know, we, we do have one national championship. We did win uh, in uh, 2019. We were uh, the 116th uh, COVID national champs. And uh, so we, you know, we... We definitely got our rings for that. And uh, how do but, you put a one sixteenth uh, ring on? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was only one diamond on it. That's oh, all we one. had. The other, the other fifteen spots were empty. So, uh, <laughs> which is fine. But so we, you know, we've had we've had some bad luck there. But you know, I, all joking aside, I mean, I look at the teams we've lost to, and you know. Half the time, we've lost to the national champions. I mean, we, yeah. we lost to DePaul the year they won it. We lost to Amherst the year they won yeah. it. Um, we lost to Whitman the year they should have won it. But <laughs> the guard was in, uh, got in foul trouble. So, you know, we've had some tough teams and some tough matchups. But, you know, I'm definitely happy with what we're doing, but never satisfied. Yeah. Uh, 2002, Stevens Point was the last state. Previous was 96 when it was UW Oshkosh. Um, yeah, Stevens so Point again in 87. Yeah. Um, 20 years. So none of these players, uh, you know, there's kids that are barely alive the last time. They, uh, there's, only been f- there's only been four state 
school champions in women's history. Salem State was the other one in 86. Now, men's side, different conversation. But Absolutely. Yeah, don't need to yeah. jump and in. And a lot of the other sports very different. But True. Women's basketball has, has definitely been uh, yeah. in a private school world. Well, and then the other thing you're dealing with, too, is you've transitioned now literally in more ways than I can count from the CAC to the C2C, the coast-to-coast, yep. without actually – transitioning it's a very very complicated system on how you stayed in the same place but everything else changed on you the scheduling is different as a result of that you technically have some conference games against salisbury and mary washington even uh mount mary finlandia and santa cruz because you guys are making the effort to play them uh santa cruz will come to mary washington interesting enough along with pratt to play some games certainly a little bit more successful in that realm in the basketball world i'm noticing than some of the other sports yeah but again as i mistweeted earlier because i completely lost track of time uh you guys still have the one aq left for this year unless something changes and, and anything's possible technically leave it lose it next year though the pool b is yours to play for it's you guys still have that access it's not going away you're still going to get in i don't mean you guys i just mean the c2c has the pool b access but the challenge is the the, the scheduling like you yeah right. you've got some conference games but you got half of what everybody else technically schedules mm-hmm. you you're having to mix in games and extra games in places you probably wouldn't normally do. How yeah. challenging has it been for you to try and schedule? I know it's not impossible. You obviously have a 25-game schedule. But how challenging right. has it been? And have you had to talk your conference mates into games? Yeah. The uh, one thing, just um, uh, adding to what you were saying, because it's hard to keep track of, this year is actually the would be the first year of the uh, of our waiver. Oh, right? did they because give you guys had, an extension? No, this is we had last year. We had uh, Southern Virginia, St. Mary's, and all those guys. Right, but I thought so, they left at the end of nineteen twenty. Right, which meant twenty twenty one would have been year one, and twenty one twenty two would be year two. Um, I think this is the first year, but either well, way, but that's my point. Is yeah, that's where either I got way, all botched Pratt too. Is, yeah, Pratt is in their last year of um, right of so so we will continue on the women's side there are seven teams so we'll continue we'll we'll never lose our well i mean someone obviously can leave but but as of right now we will we continue to have our uh automatic bid so that's so that's one nice thing to worry about is at this point we don't have to worry about not having an automatic so someone's going to come from it um you know the thing is, and I and I know the NESCAC is tough, and um, obviously Wisconsin, UAA. I, I tell you right now, when you look at it, the top four teams in the C two C. You know you you know we've done well. You've got Mary Wash that's like nine and one. Yeah, off to a good start. Salisbury that's like nine and two, and you've got Santa Cruz that's like eight and one, um, and Finlandia who's probably fifth right now. Uh, lost to Wisconsin Oshkosh uh, by five points at their place, so it's going to be a it's going to be a super super competitive um, conference schedule, but um, conference tournament. But to get back to your question, the, the scheduling is definitely the have been the most challenging part of transitioning and and being that <clears throat> most teams play conference games, you know, trying to fill kind of that last six weeks. 
um, basketball season is more difficult than any of the other sports because we have a, a longer conference season. Um, but we have been able to find a lot of teams in our area. Um, you know, the ODAC has an odd number of teams starting next year. Um, the USA South has an odd number of teams. Um, the, um, I always forget the name of it, it's America. I can't, Mary Mouse Conference, can't remember. The USA um, South or the AEC? Uh, AEC oh. also, they only have six teams now. Yep. So they're, they're on the clock, but they need games. So we've, we've been able to fill pretty good. And then, and then like you saw, what we've started to put together, uh, as coaches is what we call kind of the C2C challenge. And so, you know, this year we're hosting at Mary Wash and we're going to get games, uh, next year it's going to be here when we're going to go to Santa Cruz. And so for us, I mean, you know, there, while there's always negatives in everything, uh, it's, it's really become a positive for us. And, and because, you know, we're getting a chance to travel. Um, we're getting a chance to go to place. Our conference tournament is in California. Um, and so I think, you know, when our school and athletic department made this commitment to be in this conference, we knew that there was going to be, you know, going to need to pony up a little bit more money as far as traveling, doing those things. And they've done that and they've been very committed. So we've, we love it. We feel like, you know, some people have said to us, the rich get richer, uh, kind of like the NESCAC. We took a little bit of that where, you know, you're, you're not playing as many conference games, so you can really load up in in your non-conference and play, you know, the Gettysburgs and Roanokes and Lynchburgs and um, some of those teams that we're playing uh, to, to order really strengthen your schedule. So, um, so, yeah, it's fun and, you know, it's always changing, but... I mean, but look, I mean, there's there's a lot of conference changing right now, right? I mean, there's one conference in New York that's where they got four teams or five teams. And so, you know, I think that's just kind of the, from all the way starting at the top with the D1s. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast, I think, right now. Well, I appreciate the insight. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of the of the AQ thing because honestly, it, it COVID caused its own kinds of confusions. Yeah. But the moving parts always make it a little bit more interesting. You point out the AEC, obviously losing um, Wesley, not that they wanted to, has, has put them on the clock, as you said. So yeah. there's, there's always moving parts. We'll get to, to more of that with everybody else a little bit later. Um, Bill, again, you've got uh, a heck of a schedule still ahead, and not to mention the conference. You'll you'll be a semi-member of the ODAC uh, down in Roanoke, taking on Lynchburg and Roanoke um, yeah. between Christmas and New Year's. You know, then they'll play Mary Baldwin, on the fourth before playing St. Joseph's of Brooklyn. And then you get into that conference play with Methodist, by the way, snuck in there as well. So obviously a lot of work ahead of you. By the way, open invite. You're always welcome out in Vegas. We'd always love to have you. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but I appreciate it. Given the insight on this team, I find, listen, I know you're always good, but I always felt like you guys kind of ramped up into a season and got better as the season went on to see you this good early. Yeah is pretty impressive and a little bit scary. So thanks for the insight. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Yeah, you know, I just uh, really appreciate you having me and appreciate all you do, uh, especially for women's basketball and giving us a platform and our fans. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting that they have somewhere to go and, and get good factual information and, uh, and be able to follow teams. So just 
Really, really appreciate you and your uh, staff for doing that. Well, thanks, Bill. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words. We certainly do our best and uh, looking forward to maybe seeing a, a season progress to the end by the end of this one. So good luck. Uh, by the way, Riley Cook, can she play basketball? I mean, she's she's a beast. She's a heck of an athlete, isn't she? And, uh, I, you know, I've told some of our seniors, you know, she's a fifth-year senior. <laughs> Paid off for her, our goalie, and I can't think of the name. Yes. Our, our goalie's a fifth-year senior. Yep. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I find it, you know, and, and when you have a horse in the race, the girls obviously don't take you as serious, but it's like I tell them that my conversation would be the same, that, you know, to play one more year of college sports, I mean, you have the rest of your life to run your nine-to-five wherever you're going to sure. go. And so unless you absolutely can't afford it, if you're getting playing time, I mean, why would you not yeah. take advantage of that? I mean, that, I that's that. just the craziest thing I've ever seen. Noon hoops is very different than college basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> a lot of injuries. A lot more injuries. Than yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need so. to stretch more for those. Yeah, yeah. Stretch longer than the games. No, that's that's a little that's that hurts a little closer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, good point. <laughs> hey, thanks again. Take care of yourself. Safe travels. Stay healthy, and we'll look forward to seeing how you all play uh, and continue to play the rest of the season. And take care. Appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. He is Bill Broderick from the sixth rank captains of Christopher Newport. Um, again, if you're if you're not if you're not familiar with the CDC, real quick, it's Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, Santa Cruz, Salisbury, Pratt, Finlandia, and, and Mount uh, Mary, Mount Mary. Um, and, and again, Pratt shuts down at the end of this year. They being absorbed, it's complicated. So that's how it all breaks down. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up, get some notes done, and uh, all that jazz. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. More more when we come back. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Quick correction. Botched it there at the end. I mentioned that Pratt was being absorbed. They're not being absorbed. They're the ones coming into D3. I got them confused with Pine Manor, who's already been absorbed. Um, here's here's where, and listen, this is where things are a little fluid. Here's where I, I we're going to have to go double check the status of the C2C um, because maybe I've got this wrong. But remember in our last full year, 1920, they were already down to six members um, because they had already... Right, right, 1920, they had Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, York, Southern Virginia, Salisbury, and St. Mary's. So they were down to six. So that should be a year used. Um, last year, I just don't know what they do. So technically this year, the question becomes, are do they have full membership or not? And that's now what I'm going to have to go figure out. So now they're at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they're at seven. So that should, I guess that resets the clock. Except that Pratt isn't a full member, but I think they're at the tail. So I don't think they count yet for that. Uh, this is where it gets convoluted. So I misspoke about Pratt. They're coming into Division Three as a full-time member. They're nearly done with that process. Remember, that process has now been truncated to three years. And I know Pratt's been approved for that three-year process. So they're at seven, but I don't think Pratt counts towards the seven. So technically, if we count last year and the year before, the AQ is gone and they're a pool B. But if Pratt counts, then they are a pool A contender with an AQ this year. Things I got to go figure out because honestly, I don't remember. Um, now, we got to confuse with Pine Manor, who's already closed. The other caveat that Bill reminded me of, too, is Mills College. They don't have a women's basketball program, but they had other sports. That's located out in California. They were to close and become a conservatory, which I don't understand. But then they've been bailed out and supposedly are going to be purchased, absorbed, whatever, I think by Dartmouth. But then the question becomes, do they still retain athletics or as a member independent, the question we were talking about with Wesley, would Dell State absorb Wesley and keep him as a D3? As you all obviously know now, they didn't. So there's a lot of questions of the CDC. We'll see how it shakes up. And by the way, there are still teams that could enter the CAC. The CAC is going to be kind of this influx conference for a while. There are schools that don't have a home like Bob Jones right now, who is down in the South, located obviously close to a lot of USA South members, but there's been no talk about bringing them into the USA South, and the USA South just announced that Bellhaven is coming in for football. And then there's this other caveat that is also going to be key for the C2C, for the AEC, and for others, where Part of, part of the conversation at the convention for the NCAA in January, not only what we have barely talked about, and that is the complete change of 
the constitution of the NCAA, where D3 is, is making a play for more of the budget. They apparently did try to make that play in a couple of years ago when I th- was it D1 and wanted more autonomy? What? There was something that happened that the entire, I think it was more autonomy for D1. Apparently D3 did make a play for more money, which is what I had argued they should do, but then fell flat on their face about it. Now they apparently are doing that. We'll talk more about that in January. But one of the conversations that will happen at the com- at the convention too is a vote to lower the AQ number to six programs. Right now it's at seven. You need seven members to keep your AQ. If you lose, go below seven, you go to um, a two-year period of time where you'll keep the AQ until you lose it. Gives you time to, to get your numbers above. Unless you fall below four core members, if you and that's where, remember, the CAC was walking itself. They were down to three core members. They would have lost the AQ, period. No two-year two, two waiting period. So they're above that point. So the question becomes, if they lower it and approve it to six, and at first conversations I was having around D3, it didn't look like that was going to happen. But the more conversations I'm having, even with people who said they're going to vote against it, believe it's going to pass and pass easily. There's a whole, there are all kinds of ramifications for sports like field hockey, men's volleyball, baseball, off the top of my head, having six members as a core is good. It will fill in a ton of AQs. In sports like football, it's horrifically bad because the potential, they only have five at larges, and there's a potential that some AQs could come along because of six members, if if the threshold's only six. In basketball, We already have, what, 21 at-large bids? We would lose a handful, so we'd probably go down to about 17 at-large bids. So it doesn't hurt basketball as much, but it would would help a a conference like the the C2C. So there's a lot of moving parts in play on top of whatever we're going to get with movement. Remember, we already had movement with the PAC and the NCAC um, and all of that. There's going to be more movement in that general area. There's going to be more movement, most likely in New England, where you've got conferences that are starting to falter. I can't imagine the Mid-Atlantic's the way it is, and I'm taking the Mid-Atlantic in a very large term, not the old region, but I'm talking like, you know, New York City to Virginia and into Pennsylvania. You can't imagine there's got to be more movement there. Not to mention the fact you've got D3 still growing. You've got University of Hartford as a D1 who's now making a play to come to D3. That will they will not be the only ones to do that. It's it there's so many moving parts that the C to C is gonna be fluctuating as it as it, for years to come. Whether they can continue with this large footprint and still do these, you know, classic one-off weekends remains to be seen. Um I'll be fascinated to see how it all plays out. Uh, I want to thank all of our guests tonight who came on the show. Um, they, of course, include Bill Broderick from Christopher Newport and Pat Yuckum from WashU, Naomi Graves from um, from Springfield, and, of course, 
um, Scott Bit, Bit, uh, Bittner from uh, Stockton. And I want to thank all their SIDs as well. Chris Roland, Roman at, uh, at uh, Stockton, since I'm going in reverse order. Uh, Brian Eccles, uh, Brandon Eccles, sorry, uh, at uh, Springfield, who is a basketball player we talked about, by the way. Thanks. He reminded me of that. Both felt old and cool all at the same time. Um, also, who else am I forgetting? Oh, of course, Rob Silsby uh, at Christopher Newport. Thanks to him. Um, and I'm talking to so many SIDs right now because of the classic that I, I don't have everybody's email right in front of me like I normally do because I am forgetting somebody. Um, oh, Bridget. I forgot Bridget at uh, WashU. Thank you very much for your help. Um Sunday show. Here's what we got lined up. We know for a fact we'll be talking to Polly Thomason from Texas, Dallas. We also know for sure we will be talking to Gabe Leifer of Yeshiva. We'll be talking to him um, about the team, about his decision to come back and play, and about their big game coming up against Illinois Wesleyan um, and whether uh, they can retain the number one to, um, vote. By the way, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. I apologize for anybody who's been waiting all darn show for this. There is no top 25 coming out this coming week. We are taking the holiday break starting now. Again, we went through how many teams are idle just this week alone in women's basketball. One, two, five, seven, eight, nine, twelve, twelve 12 in the top 25 are not playing this week. Nine more in receiving votes are not playing this week. And in the men's top 25, um, sorry, taking me a second to get there. I just want to double check how many are, are, uh, are idle. I think the men wasn't as brutal as the women, but still pretty tough. On the men's side, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the top 25, three, five, seven, eight in the receiving votes category. So a lot of teams not playing. So no top 25 this week. Our first top 25 our next top 25 will be January 3rd. So January 3rd, the next top 25 will be released. Also, poll on our Twitter account. Try to set one up on Facebook. It won't let me. I'm a little frustrated. We're going to try and figure that out. But poll on our top on our Twitter account that we've got up for seven days. We are looking into moving the Sunday show, our traditional Sunday show, which, which I think was the first when we did just one show a week was on Sundays. We are looking to move that to Mondays starting in January. There's a lot of reasons behind us looking into it. We're not sure yet if we're going to do it, but we're curious what everybody's thoughts are on it. So we ask you to uh, go on Twitter and check it out. Give us a vote. Let us know what you think about it. Kind of want to see right now. I can, I can see a preview of the tally uh usually give me a moment let's call it up um right now it's leaning towards mondays we've had 90 votes in so far got five days left on that vote so go to our twitter account at d3 hoopsville or twitter.com slash d3 hoopsville give it a vote let us know what you think and your thoughts and uh we'll let you know what what it becomes of it um, I want to thank my wife for that idea. Not that I didn't think about asking you, but she's all about data. And so there you are. We have data. By the way, quick shout out to the football side of things. D3 football crew on site in uh, Canton, Ohio. Tomorrow is the Stag Bowl. It is the meeting of the last two champions, North Central and Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, they will, uh, speaking of Mary Harden Baylor, their men's team is playing right now. Um, who are they playing? 
Sorry, I got to call this up. I must have missed it. Um, interesting. Marion Baylor likes to archive its games and put a password up. I'll be talking to somebody about that. If you want teams to see you, folks, you uh, you shouldn't do that. Just my two cents. Um, don't 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 password protect your archives. Don't make your archives hidden. Listen, it's not a scouting advantage. Plain and simple. You're sharing you're sharing video, but you're hurting yourself if we can't watch the games. Um, let's see. On the women's side of things, East Texas Baptist beat Sol Ross tonight. Mary Harden Baylor upset Texas Dallas. Well, <laughs> in overtime. And that was the game they were talking about. We'll talk to Polly Thomason about that game coming up on Sunday. Harden Simmons had an easy game over um, Ozark 71-47. Yeshiva women's basketball getting some media attention over in in, uh, Israel. They defeated a non-Division three team called Five Towns 75-67 in overtime today. Um, Don't see anything else. Bellhaven defeated Howard Payne in women's basketball 77-72. And in men's basketball, well... Marion Baylor was taken on Texas Dallas in men's basketball. Uh, we'll see if we can. And that might have been the game that's over, maybe. We'll check it out here in a moment. Um, scrolling down to see if we can catch it. Here we go. I, I got to call it up. So that's not convenient. Um, let's see here. Oh, it's one of those stats things. I don't like these. I don't like stretch stats. Uh, oh, it just started. Game just started. Texas Dallas is out to a 4-0 lead on Mary Harden Baylor. So that one just underway. Um, other games do not really jump out at me. Don't have a Caltech beat Knox 67-52. Mitchell beat Albertus Magnus 94-89. Albertus Magnus men are 5-2. That was just their second loss of the season. The other one to Middlebury. 83-81. Again, if you missed it at the top of the show, we mentioned that. Um, Marietta, John Carroll game not taking place on Saturday in men's basketball. That will go down as a John Carroll loss in standings and tournament needs, but otherwise goes down as a non-contest for both teams. It'll go as a win for Marietta in the standings for the OAC, but that is it. Um, but we're starting to see more teams making tough decisions, whether it's because they've had some positive tests or it's because they're making other choices, but... January could be tough, folks. Let's just call a spade a spade. January could be tough. And we're walking our way into that, and we'll have to see how it plays out. We may see more games. We've already seen quite a few games already postponed or canceled. We may see a a bit of a run, especially after the holidays, if no one takes care of themselves uh, for the holidays. I'm I'm hoping for the best, but I think we're going to be in for a little bit of a rough, rough run here for a little bit of time. Um, oh, there it is. Just popped up on my Twitter. That that game I was looking for from Mary Harden Baylor beating 18th ranked Texas Dallas 79-68 in overtime. Um, that's going to do it for us for tonight. Again, thanks to all our guests. Thanks for you for tuning in. Again, I apologize to any of you who might have asked a question on Facebook. I did see, um, oh, here we go. How well do I think St. Thomas has handled the transition to D1? Well, Travis, I'll say this much. I, I Not to be callous, but... They're no longer in D3. I think they've handled it well. We all knew they were going to. We all Listen, they had the talent, men's basketball especially. Had the talent. That's why they're... At, listen, anybody in the top 25, really, in, in Division Three, especially the top 10, is going to compete at the D1 level. 
And St. Thomas men's basketball is starting players they would have started had they been playing in D3 this year. There's nobody on that team that wouldn't have been playing. Plain and simple. But to be honest with you, I think that's all we're going to talk about St. Thomas. They've moved on to D1. We'll keep an eye on them. We'll certainly root them on, but they're not going to be a focus of our attention necessarily here on the show. If you if you are chatting on YouTube, um, I apologize. We haven't been able to chat back. I haven't wanted to leave the page I'm on, but this is the first time I haven't been allowed a chat window as well, which is just strange. So we'll uh, we'll figure that one out for the future. We'll simulcast there again on Sunday uh, just to see how everybody responds to it and whether they like it or not. So that's it. Um, let's see here. Uh, chips. Sniffly. <laughs> uh, he asked why we didn't have a, a smiling picture of Bill Broderick in our in our and our picture teases of who would be on our guests. I said, does he ever smile? He says on, on turnovers, he does. They on, on forced turnovers. No, you're right, Chip. <laughs> they absolutely do. That's a good point. Um, all right. We'll be back on the air Sunday. Maybe our last Sunday show for the foreseeable future. Well, no. We'll see how the poll turns out and talking to everybody and whether a Monday show is better. Some of the points about why a Monday show would be better, which we've already thought of, is we react to the top 25s immediately. Uh, I, by the way, we would keep the Selection Sunday special in place. Don't don't worry about that. But uh, And then there's a bunch of other reasons, but also logistically behind the scenes, it might be better for us as well. But anyway, we'll be back on Sunday night. Um, Yeshiva, uh, Texas-Dallas women's basketball. And we'll get one more. And then I've talked Bob and Ryan into coming back on the show. We won't have a top 25 coming out, but we can certainly have some fun with the first couple of months and talk about things that have happened. So that's all coming up on Sunday's show. We'll be up back on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate it. I want to thank our partners, of course, d3hoops.com for hosting the show and all of that jazz. I want to thank our partners also at Blue Frame Technology. Don't forget the D3, speaking of the two of those, the d3hoops.com Classic is coming up uh, after Christmas, uh, after a year hiatus due to COVID. Looking forward to having all the teams out there. We have a ton of games scheduled in just three days. Um, we'll talk more about it on Sunday, but thanks to Blue Frame Technology, we'll be streaming the games through them, which means you can watch the games on the Team One Sports app, which means on your big screen as well. So looking forward to that. Also want to thank um, the WBCA for their support as always, and especially the NABC, huge supporters of ours, and I really want to thank them for getting them back on board with us this season. And uh, if you want to become an advertiser or a sponsor on this show, and I know I have a couple emails I need to send out to some people, uh, please let us know. We will get you information and look forward to hearing from you. Um, that's it for us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you have to watch Hoopsville. You guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you back here on Sunday. Good night, everybody.